Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse. This is episode 309. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together every week we talk about DC Comics. And I'm joined as always by Matt. Yes. As we know, nine comes after six. That, that is true. That sounds like you're making a sex joke, Matt, to be honest. <laughs> they don't have context. It, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll just leave it with no context. It's fine. Okay. Okay, basically, before we start, I said, I said to Matt, what episode number are we on? And he went, 306. And I said, nah, it's definitely after that. And he went, 8. <laughs> and it was 9. So. Right. So here we are. Uh, if we were playing closest to the pole, I still would have won. Yeah. Also, apologies. Now, I only just discovered this like five minutes ago, but uh, last week, Matt's audio was pretty rough. And I, like, I would blame Matt for this, but truth be told, I didn't notice it when we were recording. So. I'll take the blame equally, but uh, his computer had defaulted to the mic on his earphones, so his audio quality was quite rough and iffy last week. So apologies for that. It's just all back to normal now, though. Yes. Yes, so. At first I thought he just had it turned up too loud and it was distorting, but then mm-hmm. uh, luckily we I caught the gremlin. I was just into this it's <laughs> close. <laughs> uh, Wait, it's, also sh- it's also shitter quality, Matt. You got a proper mic yes. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just... I'll never forget when we when we did a show with Stu, and my microphone did the thing that it used to, where just oh yeah yeah, it, it, he told me to take the microphone out of my mouth. That's a very used thing to do, though. To be fair, yeah, take the microphone out of your mouth. Oh, Stu. Yes, uh, Connor is not here. Connor, we knew he was missing this week. He is an undisclosed location, sitting by a pool, reading lots of books from Twitter uh, records. Anyway, like, look, I know he's a ginger, but he should not be sitting on the poolside reading books. He's going to be engulfed in flames. He's going to burn. <laughs> like, and again, I I don't know where they went. It's an undisclosed location. That's cool. I'm glad he's having. You figured you'd leave somewhere not to go sit by a pool? I don't know. Maybe I was raised in the desert and pools are ubiquitous. I feel like like every time he goes on holiday, I always see the same thing. He just sits by the pool. That's all he does. I'm like, like, that's great. If that's your idea of a vacation, like we we went up to Big Bear and we hung out in the cabin, but like we walked the lake and we went to the Big Bear Zoo and we did the Alpine roller coaster. But then we would go back and hang out at the hang out in the cabin. It, it, um, it, to be fair, outdoor pools aren't really a thing in the UK because the weather's not good enough for it. So I suppose I technically it. you have to travel for the privilege of the outdoor pool. But it's, he's been talking about drinking and reading, which I feel like that's his brand anyways. You could say yeah, I could do that anywhere. Right. I, I mean, oh, Jake ever actually gets in the pool and swims? I, I don't know. I'll be, I'm not sure if he does. I'm not sure if he ever actually, like, you know, because in one hand, it makes sense after a day of sitting there, oh, maybe he gets in for a swim before yeah. he goes back inside the hotel, perhaps. Maybe that's how he wraps up his day. Maybe he starts the day that way, he gets a bit of exercise, then he sits and uh, reads a book and, you know, indulges his alcoholism. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. How about you use the pool... Or what it was intended. This is a great audio. Just yes, uh, it is. live tweeting. Yeah, I got live tweet him. Uh, I'm going to shame him. 
Oh dear. This is a DC Comics podcast. We'll get an update hopefully about Connor's pull antics in a minute. But uh, this is a podcast where we get together. We have read some DC books. We talk about them. It's that simple. And it is a relatively big week in the sense that a major new event started this week. So coming up on this week's show, we'll be discussing Dark Crisis issue one. Batman 124, Flashpoint Beyond Issue 2, Batman Killing Time Issue 4, Poison Ivy Issue 1, Dark Knights of Steel Issue 7, Monkey Prince Issue 5, Aquaman Andromeda Issue 1, and I've got a Patreon book. I'll be talking about Animal Man Issue 20. So that is what's coming up on the show this week. Plus there's a little bit of news. So, you know, things are happening. Stuff's going on. Uh, Yes. So... Welcome to the show. Yeah. I, I guess. Um, is it bad that like I'm in the intro and I'm already thinking about dinner? Like, no, because it... <laughs> I'm thinking about all the stuff I have to do after we're done, so we can you know, just get through. Yeah, but nor- normally I get to like 90 minutes in before I start thinking about the food that I'm going to have after we're done recording. Like, that, it, it, yeah. you know... It, it, this week though, I f- I seem to be on or maybe it's because I I ate like a lunch very early today, so the hunger's creeping in a little bit earlier. I'm not sure if that's yeah, no, that, that probably makes sense. I mean, uh, yeah. So so, what food are you thinking about? Well, I don't, I'm thinking I'm going to order food. I've not actually decided yet though, which is probably why I'm thinking about it because I need to make a choice. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll try and keep a, a bit of professionalism going those uh we, we work no, through the show. Oh, why start now? Like we are very professional, except you know, weeks where Matt's on the wrong mic. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, please. So, yes, uh but don't do not worry everyone, uh regardless of my hunger and wanting to get through the show. There's always time for a comicsology top ten. Ah, oh, numbers. <laughs> Matt loves it. All right, so, oh god, <laughs> what do you think number? So this is uh, the comicsology top ten at the time of recording, uh-huh. which now now lives on Amazon. But uh, what do you think number one is, Matt? Well, the fact that you just said that tells me it's not what I think it is. Um, <laughs> what did you think it, it was? The, I don't know. Is it one of the big two books? Yeah, yeah, technically. <laughs> How did I die, man? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I don't think you'll ever get this in a million years, but it's still funny to watch you try. I'm seeing what else came out this week that's uh, big too. Huh. That's too far if I scroll. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go by the old tried and true Batman. It's not Batman. Nope. In fact, Batman is in a kind of shocking position on uh, this top ten. Oh, judging from the quality of the issue, I'm not surprised. Oh dear. Uh, no, number one is Fortnite Cross Marvel Zero War. <laughs> oh. I, I had a, a mutual friend. I, I would say mutual friend. I had a friend that we both know message me and asked me if I was going to get into Fortnite because they added Indiana Jones. And 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 person, I'm I'm going to tell you why would I do that? Yeah, this is issue one. I do love that the Kindle version has in big text after the title no Fortnite code. So I assume if you buy the physical version, you get a code for some right. bonus stuff in the game. But uh, the digital comic does not come with that, which is weird. Like why wouldn't it, why couldn't you just have it come with a code? But I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so yes. Um, 
hurts my soul a little bit. I mean, I wonder if there's some promotional stuff going on there, or yeah. is Fortnite just that successful? Fortnite may just be that successful, and I'm out of touch. Well, if that's a kid's first comic, right? Because they love Fortnite, and then it leads them to Marvel, and then that leads them to DC. Great. You know, they did the Batman crossover, too. So... I bet there's a, a a significant percentage that will get the comic for the code and then just toss the comic aside and never read it. Maybe. But see, when when they would do stuff like that when I was a kid and you got something because of X, Y, and Z, my parents made me because they spent money on that, you know? So, mm. yeah. That's <laughs> why I have a collecting problem to this day. Thanks, Mom and Dad. There you go. Uh, number two is a DC book, though. Is this one Batman? No. Dang. Uh, Dark Days of Steel. No. Dang, I went Tom Taylor next. Oh, shoot. Dark Crisis. Yes, would you believe it? Yeah. The big new event, issue one, <laughs> is ranking high. Uh, so, yeah, that's number two. Number three, also a DC book. Ooh. Uh, not Flashpoint. <laughs> no. Not Flashpoint Beyond. Um... I don't know. I'm I'm tired of guessing. I mean, you did just guess two other things that uh, yeah, I know, I think weren't Cameron. right for the last yeah. entry. So I mean, there's, there'd, there'd probably be reasonable guesses for this one. Although I'll Dark just Knights. it's it's not. I'll, I'll tell you, it's neither of those guesses either. It's actually DC <laughs> Pride, the uh, the special that hey, came out. Hey, that's good. Yeah, that's, so that's good. That's in the top five. Yeah, that's number three. Uh, then number four is over to Marvel for Amazing Spider-Man issue three, and then number five is Dark Knights of Steel issue seven. So that mm. got in there. Uh, number six is Legion of X, issue two. So that was, I'm pretty sure that was number one for issue one when that came out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was two weeks ago or a month ago. I don't know how quickly it's shipping, but whenever it came out, I remember that being number one. <laughs> uh, number seven is Flashpoint Beyond, issue two. Wow. Yeah. Number eight is Marauders, issue three. More X-Books. Number nine is Thor, issue 26. And number 10 is Batman 124, which is notably low for mainline Batman. Yeah. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, it's a bit weird. Maybe people just knew that... Uh, actually, do you know what I think did this? Now that I'm thinking about it. This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that because the last couple issues were part of a crossover that required yeah. buying other books... And because this wasn't like, oh, he's back on to start a new arc, this is just sort of an epilogue to the arc mm-hmm. that was on before the crossover, I think that's why this didn't sell. I think next month's issue, it was because it's the start of a new run. I mean, obviously we're excited for chipping that, but yeah. regardless of who it is, I think because next month's issue is the start of a fresh new team and a new run, it'll probably be just back to normal, if not higher. I think this one suffers because it's like, lots of people probably skipped a couple issues because it was part of a crossover, and then those same people just never bother coming back for this one because they figure, I might as well start with a fresh new run. Mm-hmm. That's my thinking. Oh, I could, that makes sense. I could be wrong, but that's my thinking. Uh, elsewhere, uh, DC's doing quite well this week, honestly, overall, though, because number 11 is Killing Time, number 12 is Aquaman Andromeda, and number uh, 12 is Poison Ivy, and then number 14 is the Multiversity Teen Justice book. So DC, like, they've got one, two, three, four, five, Five in the top ten, and they've got nine in the top fourteen, which is pretty cushy. Uh, I'm actually quite surprised that Aquaman Andromeda's got up so high. But I wonder, I wonder if this is a case where Ram V starting to build a bit of a following. You know, the same way that Tom Taylor has, where mm-hmm. people will, there's an audience that will buy his books no matter what. 
No. Yeah, I my comic shop guy asked me, well, one of the workers there, why I wasn't reading Venom because he knows I get all the other Ram V stuff. I was like, I just don't dig Venom as a character. So if I hear good enough things, uh, I'll I'll pick it up. But as of right now, it's more of his independence and his DC work. That I'll follow. That's fair. So. Yeah, I've not tried any of his non DC stuff yet. Uh, mm-hmm. When the mid strikes, um, I don't want to go digging for other comics. I probably will. Mm-hmm. But um, well, I mean, if Andromeda is any indication of what his uh, his other stuff is like, his non superhero y, mm. then uh, he definitely has a style that. People oh yeah, dig, I mean, we'll talk about we we'll talk about the the book yeah. later, but it's, it's definitely. Aquaman's inclusion is very late in the first yeah. issue, and it's mostly these new characters. Uh, yeah, so it, 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 it feels like a like an original story almost. It, it felt like when like when they throw the word graphic novel around, it always kind of makes me roll my eyes. But this actually felt like a novel that was given, you know, well, comic book pages two and a half times know? the size of a regular comic book. That also helps. <laughs> yeah, but no, I just mean with the way that it was paced and the sure, introductions yeah. of characters, and it, it was a very different style than what I'm used to Ram V. So, uh, and that's cool. I like that he can adapt and that he seems to be getting that following. So yeah, that's fair. Um, no, that's uh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I've been playing lots of video games recently. Uh, I mm-hmm. tend to go through phases with my free time of playing video mm-hmm. games, watching lots of movies, watching lots of TV, or reading lots of like non-podcast that's... comics, <laughs> right? Yeah. Obviously, I'm always reading the comics that we do on the show. That's just a weekly part of my mm-hmm. my routine. But yep. uh, the the reading other books sort of cycles in and out as as the months roll on. Uh, yes, there is actually. I mean, there's two big comic book video games coming because there, there's uh, there was a big. Well, it still is a big weekend for video games because uh, it's not E3. E3's kind of dead, although they're claiming it's going to come back next year. But no, was that a product of the pandemic that killed E3? Pretty or was much it on it, the downslope. It was starting to. It was on the downslope, and a couple of the big publishers had decided to pull out and just do their own shows away mm-hmm. from it. But then the pandemic hit, and like the show got cancelled, and it was <laughs> going to come back this year, but then it didn't. And they're saying it'll be back next year, but we'll see. But there was a PlayStation thing during the week, and there was the Summer's Games Fest thing on Thursday, and Xbox these things tomorrow. There's two big comic games coming this year, actually. One's Gotham Knights, which is kind of a spiritual follow-up to the, the Batman Arkham games with uh, Nightwing, Batgirl, Red Hood, and Robin, which I... Th- I don't know if they've said if it's Tim or Damien yet. There's a lot up in the air. Because they, they've got kind of unique like video game outfits, so it's not you can't just look at them and go, ah, oh, that's definitely so-and-so because of the outfit. Uh... So that's coming out. The one I'm more excited about, though, even though I'm less interested in the characters, is Marvel Midnight Suns, because it's uh, from the XCOM creators. So it's a strategy game. And there was mm-hmm. first game... Well, well, there was proper gameplay of it this week. And I, just, I, I thought of it because you brought up Venom. And like Venom's like yeah. one of the things you fight in it. Well, as I said, the, the Midnight Suns, that's the, like, the supernatural kind of characters, right? Like Blade and uh, Moon Knight, Ghost Rider... Yeah, so you take out squads. I think you've got your main character who you make. You create a character, but mm. then you have, like, a squad of Marvel characters. I don't know if it varies depending on the mission or if you can just pick whoever you like or or what, but uh, that's out in October. I'm excited about it. I think they're both out in October, actually, now I'm thinking about that's it. That's cool. Yeah. I, just, I wasn't going to go on too much about the video game stuff, but I just I, I thought I'd mention the, uh, the two comic book-related games. Although, 
I suppose also tangentially related is that The Rock showed up at Games Fest. Not, yeah. not to promote a, a video game. He had he had no video games or any video game related stuff. He just showed up, he hawked his energy drink, and then hawked Black Adam, and then they showed the Black Adam trailer. Like that that was sure. like his entire thing. And it it made no sense. Like everyone else that was there, everything else they showed was in some way related to a video game. <laughs> he shows up and he just says, Hey gamers, I love you. Here's my energy drink. Uh, uh, I, I, Fast Nine in theaters now. Yeah, yeah. He's no, not, he's, that was last year. Yeah, he's also not in that. He's he's divorced yeah. from Fast Fast True. and Furious. So is the director. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But still, um, shoot. Yeah, that's weird. Now, are you sure it wasn't his tequila he was pushing? Was it Terramana or was it? Nah, tequila? it was an energy drink. Uh, he was also he was in a gym. I think he was trying to show gamers what a gym looks like because most don't ever visit one. Hey, you know what though? I know plenty of people that do both. Um, oh I mean, yeah, obviously there is. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just cracking. I, I'm joking oh. that that's what he thinks because, like, hey, yes. gamers, look at a gym. Look, you can be as muscly yeah, as me if you try. <laughs> watch, watch, watch. You could, you can use your hands for more than just uh, a controller. Uh, but yes, uh, now his energy drink is actually pretty good if you can find mm. it. That's my main problem out here. I feel like if you work out as much as he does and drink energy drinks, you'd probably uh-huh. explode your heart. So he probably shouldn't be associated with energy drinks. <laughs> I but here's the thing: it's not like like so. Last night when I went to go see Jurassic World, uh, I had been up since four, couldn't nap. So you know, by the time we get to the movie, I needed a monster to push through. Um, I haven't been drinking a monster in a very long time. Um, that that kept me up to almost midnight. So. Um, the Zoas that I've had since, they're a lot lighter, right? So, like, on a road trip, if they have that, I'll grab one. I don't know if they have less caffeine or, or what is in it, but they don't have that same effect. Okay. So, um, and I like to think that he did put some thought into that, knowing that, like, people who work out. But people that work out are also on this trip of pre-workout now, which is basically just legalized. I don't want to say meth, but... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were it's, gonna. I thought you were gonna say steroids. And you said meth. <laughs> no, so they take it to get a better workout, and it's basically pure caffeine. There's no sugar in it. <laughs> were you ever big into Futurama, Pete? I've uh, seen the first couple seasons of it. I, I mean, so I'm not a super fan by the, the episode where where um, Fry drinks enough Slurm that he basically starts to vibrate, or it was maybe it wasn't Slurm. It was another drink. But, you know, he basically becomes the Flash and he's moving at such a speed. That's what it felt like when I've taken pre-workout. I don't like it. So if, if The Rock's putting out something that's more mellow, <laughs> that's also, you know, pushed to gamers and fitness enthusiasts, I think, you know. That's it. But yeah, you're right. It's weird that he showed up just to hawk Zoa in Black I, Adam. I thought I was built into something, but it's just mm-hmm. like... Like I know Jeff Cayley, who like does these events, loves these celebrities, but they're usually related tangentially to right. to what's going. Or at least at the Game Awards, you'll, you'll have some musical acts who'll do a song. But at least, mm-hmm. like, it's tra- I guess it's traditional that things like Oscars and other award shows have mm-hmm. performing acts occasionally, you know, yeah. interspersed. So I, I, it makes some sense. And it's not like we've heard like The Rock loves his video games. Like that's how he decompresses. You know, after a movie shoot. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's ever talked you know? about playing a video game. There's yeah. a lot of wrestlers who play video games. I don't know if he's yeah. one of them. Yeah. But um, It also cracks me up because we got that Black Adam trailer. And seeing it on the big screen is a lot different than your home screen. And 
it's just funny to me that now he's bigger and more cut than he was ever in the ring. Right. <laughs> well, that's because like, he, got, he had to get tested for certain substances when he was in the ring. <laughs> yeah, but like, there were ways around it. You look at guys back in during the Rock's time, they were like, they look like if you pricked them with a needle, they would just gush water. You know, mm. they look like a water balloon. Rock was never like that, right? So Not when he was just, wrestling. No, he's, he's yeah. gotten way bigger since. Yeah, so, you know, um, it's just, it's funny to me. You know, and that's cool. Like, uh, my my father-in-law was like, why does he got to get so big? He knows their movies, right? He knows he's not really doing this stuff. So why, why does he have to get so big? And I was like, it's a great question. I, Because he wants to, I don't know. But... But yeah, I just it, it's hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not seeing Jurassic World three yet. I'll be seeing it on Monday or Tuesday. Good. In time for the Atomic Cinema Experiment next week. Next week, which is our science fiction movie podcast that I do with Tara. If people want to go check out on Mail Fuzz Movies, you're welcome. Uh, had, had I been able to hold out till tomorrow, it would have been 29 years to the day that Jurassic Park came out. Um. Ah. But I could not wait. I I had to go opening night. Well, you um, saw, you saw that like thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes and thought I need I need to. Do it. I didn't see that till this morning, and uh, <laughs> I just, I'm not going to give too many thoughts. But I think that's very un un not unforgiving. Um, it's not a thirty one percent movie. I don't know. Maybe I saw a different movie, but I'll, I'll put it this way: I liked it more than Multiverse of Madness and No Way Home and Afterlife. Um, and those all three of those movies have higher scores i so mean i i don't it's better than the rise of skywalker which has a higher rotten tomatoes no so. i don't think it's unlikely necessarily that i will agree with that general statement uh but as far as it not deserving that lowest score i i, I do also know other things and it's very similar genres of movies might i add where you do rate a little higher than oh yeah than most people so 100%. i don't think like if this came in around what Jurassic Park 3 came in, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay. People are tired of stuff, but like, I don't know. I, I like this one more than World and Fallen Kingdom. Because watching Fallen Kingdom again this week, that first half is really rough and the back half really makes up for it. Um, So, and I like to think this one was, was yeah. pretty consistent. I mean, I actually, I actually agree with that, but that's very taste dependent because some people just <laughs> think the back half is stupid. And I can't really argue with that. Like, it's no. not a good movie. It, no, but I'm, but I'm just saying, in in comparison to that, I think has the lowest of the Rotten Tomato scores until this one. Um, which is silly because they're all better than Lost World. You, I mean, watching them again, I think I like Lost World more than you do. Well, have I said and that? I've not seen Dominion yes. yet. I I, I may think yes. Dominion is worse than Lost World. Uh, I haven't seen you that might, one yet. I, but and I'll, I'll just say this too, too, that the nostalgia factor, and this is something I'm trying to divorce myself from because I feel like. Did you see No Way Home, mm-hmm. Pete? I forget. Wait, what's your, when it comes to Marvel, I forget where you're at. I feel like a lot of the goodwill of that movie came from the nostalgia factor because there's stuff in that movie that I that work and don't work contingent. And I remember people getting very upset with me when I said that it was okay and it wasn't the greatest movie ever to exist. Um, like my brother thought it was the best MCU movie ever. And I was like, did we watch the same thing? Like, it's good. Don't get me wrong. But... Um, here, I feel like the characters, them bringing that, back... That sounds like me talking to anyone about Captain America Civil War, which is, people seem to think Maybe. that movie's good, and I don't, I don't get it. it, it I have I have fun with that movie. I, I don't... It's not my favorite Marvel movie, but I have, I have fun so with it. There's, there's, there's so much going on 
in it. And I feel, yeah, No Way Home and Civil War are very similar. Mm. Anyways, when it, when it comes to Dominion, I feel like them bringing the characters full circle, if if this is the last one, right? Because you can never say that for sure with Hollywood. Um, it definitely is not. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure the next one will be a, after a little bit of time and it'll yeah. feel like a fresh start again, but it's not the last Jurassic Park movie. There's no well, way. I'm just saying, of the saga, let's say, um, I feel like bringing in the characters from the original makes sense uh, and it brings them full circle. So I don't feel like it's just a nostalgia bait. I mean, it is. But... Right, but cynically, <laughs> right? It's not like in, in stuff in Afterlife where the, the mini puffs are there for no reason. You know, like there are things in Dominion that make sense for the story. Um, and so, yeah, so I saw that 31% and it, very, it made me very, as I said, irrationally um, upset. So cause I don't tend to give too much to, to scores, but yeah, I don't know. Me and my wife both thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, mm. and my sister-in-law who went with us. So I, I don't know. Oh, well, I'll be, I'll be seeing it at the start of the week. Uh, get off my soapbox now and you guys can take it away from me. Hide it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say this reawakened my love of dinosaurs. Um, so I, I may or may not be planning to go to the Dinosaur National Monument uh, in the fall up in Utah um, because of uh, rewatching these uh, movies. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and for anyone who thinks I, I've been too down on things, like I thought the first Marvel, Marvel episode was pretty solid for what it was. Hey, you're the first person I've seen that said something. Uh, Worth worth listening because I tend to drown out a lot of the Marvel people because um, they know it's got a lot of characters, very pulpy. It's got a lot of color, uh, but honestly, it's all just down. The main actress is really good and she's perfectly cast. So well, now I will add that to the list of things to watch after I uh, get through Stranger Things because the the problem with doing a Jurassic Park rewatch uh, as Stranger Things is going, we only have uh, enough yeah. time to so, do one or the other. Um, how many others you I watched? Think, uh, two. And I, I am too. like, I feel like a junkie because I've been like, I, I need to watch more. And I can <laughs> watch them by myself, but that would be very rude to my wife. Um, because I get home before her. I'm working summer hours. Um, you can always and, remarry, and Matt. It's fine. You can always remarry. Yeah, but true. It's... True. <laughs> uh, I was like, I could watch these, you know, when I get home, when I'm hanging out with the dogs. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm jonesing. I need to know the significance of that Kate Bush song. Um, because it's all over my social media. Because <laughs> you haven't got to that episode yet, but everyone's no, talking about and, it. <laughs> and I need, I need to know why. So that's uh, when we're done here. We have some errands to run, uh, and then we're gonna hunker down with some uh, Stranger Things and uh, just yeah, Steve, Steve and Robin, uh, they're they're the best. So uh, I need more of them, and I've only gotten a little bit through two episodes. Oh, uh, you got playing more. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, um, I, re- I think I want to rewatch those seven episodes before yeah. uh, the last two come out. Yeah, uh, probably, I'll probably just spe- like spend a week doing it like gradually before they they hit. Yeah. You, you know what I don't like, and uh, it's it's the fact that now when I see Millie Bobby Brown pop up and she's she's a young woman, mm-hmm. because in my head she's still just eleven. You know the character and, and the age. Yeah, no, not just the age. It's just like she's this little kid. No, I was it, I was joking. Uh, eleven, gotcha. the character and the yes. age. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so seeing her pop up and stuff, and she's just a, a like a a grown woman now. George, actually, I don't like it. it. Makes me feel old. Oh sure, I mean, also her accents disturbing because she's English. But uh, <laughs> but 
the, the one that actually got me is I stumbled onto a YouTube video. It was like of like not all the cast, but like a, mm-hmm. a good handful of the cast of the season. And the the girl, as I say, girl, the woman who plays Erica looks like you know it's that's that same thing where she looks like she's about eighteen now, and yeah. it's just weird because she's supposed to be this little kid. Right, and, he, and that's the, it's obviously it's not their fault. But in the in season four, there's a, a line in episode one where she's like, "I'm eleven, and I'm like, "No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, I did, I did the same thing. <laughs> like, like that's maybe fourteen at a push. <laughs> yeah. Does that come up again, or is that just at the intro when they're playing D and D? Does what come up again? Her age. Her age. Which... I don't think her age comes. I mean, no, I don't think her age comes up again. Okay. Then, yeah. then I've seen that scene, and yes, because yeah. I did the same thing. I was like, "In what world?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. The, the actor who plays Eddie, for example, he's like 28, and my theory is, is they cast people in these new upper teenage roles to be almost 30, to make the kids, the other ones, look younger. Because they're all like 17, 18 when they were filming this. <laughs> I mean, but that, that's been a go-to thing in movies and TV for a while, right? Is the, the, the almost 30-year-old playing a teenager. I mean, it's not usually um, that bad. I mean, usually they go no. for early 20s, at least. Yeah. But I, I mean, most of the time, if they have this the energy, I think it's okay. Like I don't get too caught up on that, you know. Unless you have like Ryan Gosling playing a twenty-something. I mean, although to be fair, at least Eddie they mentioned that he's repeated senior year yeah. like four times, so at least there's a bit of a. I mean, that man is twenty-two <laughs> in high school. <laughs> uh, we all, we all had one at our school. I don't know if it was the same at your school, but there was that one dude. Oh, no, that no, was no. Just, like, it, it, it doesn't yeah. happen in the UK. You you can't you can't repeat a year. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> Why do you guys have free medicine? School makes sense. <laughs> oh my god. But anyways, yes. No, I, I need to get back to Stranger Things, and there's a whole list of stuff that I I need to get to. Um, Saw the boys. Yeah, it's just it's too much. Oh yeah, but uh, oh yeah. But actually, you know what? I, I will say this. This past month for TV. After a long time of not feeling excited about any TV, The Boys Season 3, which just got renewed for Season 4, Stranger Things Season 4, and the final season of Better Call Saul have all been excellent, right? There's good times. This is the final, final season of of Saul? Like, it's actually gonna... Yeah, this is it done. It's it's on its mid-season break right now. It's coming back early July for its last six episodes, and that's it. Okay. And I will wait till those are all done before I start, because I have them DVR'd. Mm. So I can just... Once once those are done airing, I'll start that in September, so that, that wipes it off. Um, but yeah, no, there's a whole list of things. Still need to get through Twin Peaks. I finished the first season. Oh yeah. Still need still need to get going on that. I watched that when I was six. So the problem with Twin Peaks is that there's like weeks in between sometimes because I watch it when I can. But um, I'm enjoying that, you know. But I have to be in the right headspace. I just have can't you- come home from. You must have fallen in love with the, the intro music by now. Oh, like three episodes in. Bow, bow. I don't know why it works, but it does. But I also, watching, was it Stranger Things? I like dark, like dark synthy stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Maybe it was just my dad watching John Carpenter stuff growing up. It's just, you know. Re- oh, the music's great. Re- well, reawakening things. But yeah, that, that Twin Peaks music is up there with that, that dark twangy synth. So. Yeah, one of the exciting things about uh, the new season is that the composer did do a couple of new tracks. Because you'll, you'll notice Twin Peaks does a thing where it'll reuse a lot of the same tracks over and over yeah. again. Uh, it likes to just use like the themes that's been made. Uh, there's a lot of source music in season three, but there's a couple of new tracks. And plus, obviously, some of the old ones come back, as gotcha. you'd expect. 
Wow. But yeah, I know that, that that entire intro too, because it does not match the show. You know, um, it's it, it makes it seem like it's like a soap opera, right? I yeah. think so. But yeah, no. And uh, enjoying those, I just need to be in the right headspace and um, again seeing all the stuff that they keep adding, all the different streaming stuff, like Fringe. I want to watch Fringe, and that's Fringe is great. Everything's so show. far away. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not a Trek person because I hear good things about the new Trek show. So yeah, uh, but I mean, there was two yeah. really bad Trek shows as well right before. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, that, that's why I'm talking about the one that's good that people seem to be universally enjoying. I mean, Discovery yeah. has ups and downs. Are supposed to be fair, yeah. but Picard. Oh, Jesus, Picard. Yeah, <laughs> Picard was rough, I tell you. And there was like little moments of hope at the start of the season. I was like, oh, maybe this one will just be kind of a fun romp, and that'll be okay. And then the last like four or five episodes, it was just like, oh god, this has went down the toilet. Yeah, but, <sighs> I'll get caught up. Hockey season's almost done. Uh, the Angels are tough to watch, so that that leaves a you know without sports in the summer, I'll get stuff watched. Yeah. So, you know, and wrestling's only on twice a week right now, so. Uh, that'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who do enjoy the Almost Cancelled podcast with me and Connor doing the TV news of the week, it's not on this week because he's, you know, as he's the same reason he's not here, he's off gallivanting by poolside. Uh, maybe there's an update on that. I don't know. Maybe, has he found time to answer your tweet? Uh, yep. So he does swim. Don't worry. Oh, good. Good. They make SPF that strong. <laughs> I'm just imagining his uh his ginger hair bobbing <laughs> up and down as he's swimming. The ginger hair, his paleness is enough to bring down an airplane. <laughs> um, yes. So yes, the almost cancelled TV news podcast. Uh, we'll be back uh next week. You can get that on Mailfest TV. I'm doing a lot of plugging today for the uh, YouTube you channel. That's good though. That's good. Yes. Uh, well, Joe, you know, someone. Oh, I was like, well, a little while ago, but someone. Someone said something, and I mentioned there being a review of some movie on one of the podcasts. And they go, "Oh, I didn't know you did like a a horror movie podcast." I'm like, "Oh, here's a playlist with 500 episodes. <laughs> Enjoy." Yeah, I don't understand that one. If you're on Twitter, because the engagement between the screams and you and Tim. Um, ah, yeah, but I mean, if, if you only follow at DC Comics podcast, you wouldn't see any that, of that. No, that, that's true. But I feel like if you're following the DC Comics one, you'd be following you, you know. I, mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, no, that I would under the, the screams one because Tim is such an I mean, unhinged I, maniac. I mean, I get it. Like you know, you, you want updates on the podcast, but you don't necessarily want all my personal bullshit of me doing whatever. I don't know. Like I get it. <laughs> I understand. I'm very hateable. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. We have a little bit of news to look at. Uh couple things really weird headline to start off here bruce campbell is writing a dc comic which is like the weirdest thing i've heard in a while sign me up so bruce campbell is writing a sergeant rock series and it is actually related to evil dead which is what bruce campbell is mainly known for obviously he plays ash in the original Mm -hmm. evil dead trilogy um so it's sergeant rock versus the army of the dead (laughs) it's a six issue miniseries Sergeant Rock is dispatched with his easy company to battle Nazi zombies in Berlin in 1944. This doesn't sound very mad, actually. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I, I'm here for that. You know what? Sergeant Rock movie with mm. Bruce Campbell as Sergeant Rock. Why not? Mm. Uh, 
yeah, Eduardo Rizzo is the artist. Uh, there's some covers here you can look at. The uh, I think it was I assume is the variant in the darkness with the, the zombies coming from behind is really nice. Yeah, that's yeah that that is one I do need. I've never seen Army of Darkness, so I need to. Really interesting. Yeah, I've seen the other Evil Dead, and that's what's what's made me Wait. not watch Ashby Evil Dead. Have you um, seen um, Oz the Great and the Powerful? Yes. Well, you've seen the exact plot of Army of Darkness. Yeah, but like that wasn't <laughs> good, and I hear Army of Darkness is. Oh, it's better. It's definitely yeah. better. I'm just so, pointing out that Sam Raimi. Gotcha. I mean, I I didn't think it was possible to plagiarize yourself, but Sam Raimi's managed it. <laughs> I will say that Bruce Campbell showing up in Oz is is the best part of that movie. Um, uh, sure. So. But yeah, no, uh, I, I need to see it. Um, but I have seen the other Evil Deads. Um, that's just one has always escaped me. So I just checked. It's not streaming on any of my devices. So that's fun. Um, it's a different company has the rights to that one. It always seems mm-hmm. to be separate whenever there's a, a box was, set or something like that. Yeah, um, Dream Warriors was like that. So like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies would all be there except for part three. Yeah, and, I don't understand that because as far as physical releases go, yeah. it's always been included. Like, it's still just Warner Brothers and New Line. I don't know why the streaming services yeah, are different. Like, I, I would go to watch it and it wouldn't be there. And then so finally, that's why I watched them this October because they all seem to be in the same spot. Which I forget what streaming service I watched them all. But I watched them all. So um, Interesting. But yeah, and that, that seems to be the same with, with Army of Darkness. But like you said, if it's a rights thing, then it makes sense. But I mean... It's just like every Friday the 13th, they pull them all from streaming to make you buy them, you know? Um, yeah, because there was a new Evil Dead box set with the show and the first two movies just, that mm-hmm. just either is coming out or just came out, but Army of Darkness isn't in it because it's a different race yeah. holder, yeah. Uh, which is awkward and annoying, but... Uh, Very much. I mean, it's all, but I'm, I'm sure it's not hard to find if you want to just go rent no. it. So. Yeah, I could rent it, but, you know, if I have all these streaming services I pay for, I always look there first. Um this is right there and it'll pop up on something you know uh, i've been trying to catch million dollar arm for it feels like 15 years now and every time they add it to disney plus it's there for like two days and then it's gone again so and i don't know why it's not there they own it but yeah hmm. uh any further thoughts on this series I, i'll be reading this day one i i love the dc horror stuff so um yeah, uh, DC Horror presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. So, uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Feels, feels like they want to say Army of Darkness, but they couldn't. Right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I said it's related to Evil Dead and that they're clearly evoking Army of Darkness with that title. Mm-hmm. And obviously, but it's not Dead Eights, right? It's not actually right. Dead Eights from the franchise. So, right. it should make that clear. It's not a crossover. So, uh, why are they called Dead Eights in that? Is that just something that Raimi did to make it different? Or... Yeah, because they're not really zombies. They're possessed people. Gotcha. So they're zombie adjacent, but de- also demon adjacent. So yeah, that makes sense. But they're, they're more like absurd versions of like when like uh, was it Reagan's possessed and the Exorcist? Yeah. It's, it's, it's more it's more akin to that than a zombie. That makes sense. Uh, so yes, um, but there you go. That is uh yeah. that is. Sergeant Rock versus Nazi zombies. Or sorry, Sergeant. That's what the headline says. Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Uh, although yeah. that would also be a fine title. <laughs> but <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then the other bit of news that I saw this week is there's just going to be a series of Black Adam: The Justice Society Fails specials coming out. Obviously to tie into the movie. 
the first one is a Hawkman issue, which and they're all 48-page one-shots. Uh, they're also going to be doing one for Doctor Fate, Atom Smasher, and Cyclones. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so this is uh over the course. Of, so they end in October. Uh, the first one's out in July. So we got we had the solicit for the first one uh, already. Uh, yeah. So it's between uh, July, August, September, October. So it's one per month over Are the next. Are they all year. the same writer? Are they all? Kevin Scott, I think. So I'm seeing different artists, but I'm, I'm, I don't see... Yeah, each one shot written yeah. by Kevin Scott, but different artists, so... That might be something. It depends. That trailer, uh, I wanted it to be better, but maybe it'll surprise me. Um, uh, very very much like uh, 007 is, is Fate. It's going to have a voice in my head when I read that. It'll be nice. Pierce mm-hmm. Brosnan. That's his name. I couldn't remember his name. Took so, you a while. Yeah, it took me a second. Uh, I wasn't that hopeful for the movie. Like, other than the fact that they were putting characters in it that people liked, mm-hmm. there was nothing to indicate that it was going to be any good. So I, I was pretty I'm, cynical about it, to be honest. I'm confused about the origin, because it, the, <clears throat> the trailer makes it seem like three different things, and I'm not sure if that's purposely misdirect or, or what. Um, so, yeah. I have uh, no idea, but... Hey ho! Uh, not really much to say there. We knew about the first one or two of those, but uh, uh, that's the, the full slate of them. Uh, when's the movie? Is the movie out in October? Is that is that is this building yeah. up to when it comes? So yeah, in October twenty seventh. I saw. So in theory, you could go into a shop and buy all four of these. Although I don't see them ordering a lot of some of those, but we'll see. Uh, uh, the Rock does sell, so we'll. Uh... We'll see if, if that can get people in comic shops. Yeah, maybe they'll have variants. It's just a photo mm-hmm. of the rock's face. He's <laughs> flexed out of his mind. Veins popping out that you didn't know humans had. Holding up his energy drink. Yeah, and his Terramana. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the power of Shazam the Wizard or anything that gives him yeah. power. It's the energy drink. He's just, he's not gonna, it's in the movie, he was not going to say Shazam. He's just going to like crack a can open and take a yeah. swig. Like Popeye yeah. with the spinach. It just yes. turn it into Black Adam. I mean, I know that's how I get through work. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's coffee. Uh, not, not, you know, not Zoa, but yes. <clears throat> yeah, I keep forgetting the name. Zoa. Z-O-A. Yeah. It, it does, so it does, I don't think you can get it here. Like, I think it's, it's, I'm fairly certain. Yeah, I get it. It's very hard to find here. My my local grocery store had a entire display of them one day. And then I went back to buy more and it was gone. Like, it never existed. Like, it was well, the Zoltar machine. I don't... What is it about energy drinks that, mm-hmm. like, I'm, like... I, I feel like that is the go-to thing that a lot of celebrities try and do their own version of. Because mm-hmm. there's so many custom ones that just, like, so, start and die immediately. Yeah, so I, it's a lot like celebrity coffees where you feel like a brand comes up and goes, Hey, we want to put your face on this. And they'll go, okay. And then it's never really that good. So, because uh, they do it with a lot of uh, alcohol too, you know. Um, whereas I feel like, at least with The Rock, I feel like he is really in the the not the production per se, but at least as far as the marketing, he's very involved. So with all of those, so maybe that's why. But again, I don't. Maybe they're a smaller company and it's harder for them to keep, you know, supply up. But yeah, man, it's tough. It's one um, of those things where there's like three or four biggies in there to drink game and. It's it's just going to be important unless you have something that really makes you stick out is different and good. Yeah. Like I don't know how you penetrate that market because if you're not Monster, Red Bull, uh, Rockstar, or 
It's the fourth one. I feel it was the fourth one I'm forgetting. Do you, do you guys have Bang and Rain over there, which are rival companies that are about the same thing? I don't think so. Okay, so that's not one of those. I feel um, it's another one. Well, it was Monster, Red Bull, and Rockstar were the, the big three, I remember. Yeah, maybe, it's, maybe it's just the big three. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's all I'm thinking. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if, if you're not like, And obviously, some of, they have tons of flavors of some of those, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what they do. They do a limited edition monster for a celebrity rather than. Yep. You know. what, what's your go-to monster, Pete? Oh, the uh, the the white can, which is the yeah. I think it's grapefruit flavor. That that's the one I had last night uh, before Jurassic Park. So I, I didn't have that one in a while. This one, I remember this one being good. Yeah. So, and it's sugar-free yeah. as well, so you feel a little yep. bit better about yourself when you're drinking that. Yeah. Oh man, some of those. I had a I had a soda for the first time in a while. Hooey. That was uh, full, full sugar. It was not ready. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho, let's uh, go on to the comics, shall we, for the week. So, Dark Crisis issue one, Joshua Elmson writing with Daniel Sampier on the art. Uh, you know, we've had some minor crossovers. Obviously, Williamson did a couple of one, you know, minis and one shots that are mm -hmm. kind of related on the build up to this Justice League Incarnate, uh, Infinite Frontier. But this kind of feels like the first proper event issue one we've had in some time. Yeah. So. Um, probably the last one was Scott. Yeah, probably metal. Probably like death metal was the last proper event. Proper crossover. Yeah, because like, because that did feel like an event. This does feel like an event. Like even so, um, I had a friend reach out and say, you know, does he? Because he's interested in this, because you know it seems like Nightwing takes the center role, and they're a big Nightwing fan. Uh, mm. And want to know if he needed to read the Death of the Justice League or Justice League Incarnate. And after fully reading this through, I feel like you can just jump in here, and they do a very good job at summarizing the events of those. Yeah, I think I think because it's just one issue, I would probably recommend people read Justice League seventy five. Just be, hey, it's one issue that sets everything up. Yeah, I mean, sure, but if if you don't, I do feel like Williamson does do a good job here at you know throwing you in. And, and setting the stakes enough that, you know, the Justice League are gone and there there's some strange things afoot across the, the Yeah, I'm not saying it's 100% necessary, but I think it's because it's just one issue. I think it's like an easy enough ask to just go read yeah. that one thing uh, yeah. before you I, I you did this. steer my, away of uh, the road too. Oh, yeah. Like, Skip you, the, you don't need that. Oh, you don't need that. Yeah, don't, you don't need road too. <laughs> it's very unnecessary. Uh, Joe, it was a bit of a swear for you because I thought there was Batman narration at the start of this issue. And it swerved as it being Dick Grayson, uh, yep. which I thought was really neat. Because you, you, you turn the page and it's a blue box, and I'm like, oh, it's Nightwing yep. that's talking. It's, it's him being sworn in, not yep. Bruce talking about his oath. Uh, so, you know, it feels like a big start of a crisis event because you get the big splash to a page of uh, uh -huh. all the various versions of Justice Leagues and Titans teams and everything else. Uh, but we have this big vigil. Uh, Nightwing's making a speech about the death of Justice League and moving forward, all the rest of it. But the main the main story of this book boils down to John's working with Wally, he's working with others, but ultimately he wants to form a new league. Um, Hal shows up and he's pissed that was set up before. He isn't, he's like, we're just believing Black Adam's word for this, and everyone's like, well, we looked into it as best we could, but, you know, all the villains are starting to rile up, and we kind of need to deal with that, so... Uh, as best we can tell, it, the story is true. I, I do love that too. That that 
you know, uh, how being gone for so long and how much stuff has changed, he gets to be that outsider that maybe mm. is just coming back or, you know, oh, there's a, a DC crisis. I'll pick it up. He's like, wait, Black Adam's a good guy now? What what, what the hell? Um, so I, I did love that perspective. Yeah, that was in. neat. Yeah, so Wally and Hal go off. But Wally's going to go look for Barry. Hal's going to go look and find out, you know, what happened to the Justice League. He's going to investigate mm-hmm. like a crime, uh, right. which is neat, right? Uh, and John's like, well, what about everything in the world? And, you know, one of them says, well, that's what Superman's for. So it's like, hey, you've, you've got, you can take care of the planet mm-hmm. with everyone else. Like, you guys are good. Yep. Uh, so he looks at the statues and he flies off and he basically we get this recruiting montage of him going around and he tries to recruit Yara Yara turns him down obviously I suspect she's going to be dragged into it later on I, I do like what she says too she's like I just had a fight to be Wonder Girl and you want me to go drag into something new like you know so I, I did like her voice uh, <laughs> and also from what we read with um, the future state stuff of these two and their relationship that builds there um i i did like that and, and yeah uh, it's noble this is the first time they meet like obviously mm-hmm. we've read them meet before in the future but this is the first mm-hmm. time in you know chronological order they've met <laughs> right so um but i i did like that that was a a nice swerve because here i am going into this thinking like oh john's gonna put together what we thought was the you know the the what was that g1 g5 you know era, g. <laughs> yeah but there we go uh, the 5G era, and it doesn't necessarily seem like that's what he's doing here, like when Yara turns him down. Yeah, uh, I mean, she turns him down, uh, Jace turns him down, he's like, I'm not your Batman, ask one of the Robins. I mean, Yara even says that almost exact same thing, which is like, yeah. I'm not your Wonder Woman. You're like, you know, go away. Uh, so, and we get like a montage, and I thought it was interesting, you actually get like mm-hmm. some people who turn him down, but some people who say yes. So you get mm-hmm. like, uh, Swamp Thing saying no, uh, but you get like F- Killer Frost or just Frost uh-huh. now maybe uh, yeah, saying I don't mind a second chance. Um, so you, you get like all these very different reactions to him to being asked. Uh, uh, so then he reveals his team to Black Adam. And what's interesting is I thought Damien turned him down uh, because he says I support you, but John, my father is not dead. But then he's there in the team. I thought that too, and then when you go back and read it, it's it's Damien going like, "Yeah, no, I'll, I'll help you, but you know they're not dead. My there's there's something else going on here." Which I mean, I think he's probably yeah. right. To be honest, yeah. uh, you know, I, it's comic books. I suspect that I yeah. actually I love Black Adam saying, "Do we need two blue beetles?" Because I like mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that at first, and then yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, both of them are there." <laughs> yeah, um, I also love that each on that recruiting thing is how some of the people say no and why they say no. So you get like Peacemaker saying country before multiverse, which tracks with the Peacemaker mm. I'm, you know, I'm familiar with. But then like Vixen, you know, not exactly say no. It was like, hey, people need my help here more. Um, and then the Flash is going off with uh, with Wally. Um, Naomi even gets in here. Uh, so but, um, Harley was the one I was surprised too because she said really... And, you know, you can read that as, like, really? You're asking me to join a Justice yeah, League? Yeah, I, I think that's what it's meant to be, uh... yeah. but the first read-through, it was, she was kind of like, really? I don't do teams. You know, like, the whole Suicide Squad. <laughs> She's had, like, five teams right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's why it works with the with the Harley whole thing. But, yeah, seeing her there, that, that is a fun page. So you got uh, Supergirl, 
in a new costume, mm-hmm. which, which I really like. In uh, the Jaime Reyes, and there's kind of a loose reference to uh, Women of Tomorrow because she says she just got yeah. back. Yeah. So with as as she's with crypto. Yeah. Too. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of like just saying, yeah, that's kind of subtly in canon. Uh, yeah, right. Um, and then you have Doctor Light, the the hero version. You have, uh, uh, you know, not Killer Frost. You have um, <laughs> Booster and Blue Beetle, uh, Frankenstein. Um, uh, what's his name? Aquaman. I was Jackson. Uh, Jackson Hyde. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and Harley. And what I like here is this really feels like a legacy build right like you can look at a lot of these characters and see you know how they're representing here and why they would say yes i mean it's definitely an oddball team though which is why i love Mm -hmm. uh black adams and i actually just noticed it in the people's eyebrow his reaction is the the one eyebrow up uh but he's um like three two blue beetles uh, whatever my favorite thing about this though is the way this this scene ends where he's like look this is all very well-intentioned but it needs pr- the world needs protectors, not children. I'm going back to Kandak. They need me. But we both know that there's one person... You're not ready for the role of leading the Justice League, but we both know who is. And then you turn the page, and it's Dick Grayson. Yes! Yeah. Black Adam gets it. Yeah, getting those... Uh, Dick's getting the shine. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah and again, we, we always... As, as Dick Grayson fans, and as fans of the DC Universe too, it's nice to know he kind of is the keystone. You know, like he's kind of who pulls everybody together because of all his different relationships. So if there is going to be the symbol of hope, of legacy, of all of this stuff, it's all in one package, and that package is Dick Grayson. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's more specific than that. It's it's the idea that he is the one qualified. He's the one who, he's the eldest Robin. He's the one who's been trained by Batman. Batman was kind of naturally, at least most of the time, he was the leader of the team because he was the, the thinker. He was the one that strategized and stuff like that. Uh, and it plays back in, you know, way back when we started this show, there was that, that little flashback story where Batman said one day Dick would lead the Justice League. And I think technically he's about to. <laughs> you know, it's a technicality because it's not quite the main team that, uh, you know. No, but that's why I love stuff like this because I love the oddball Justice Leagues. Yeah. You know? uh, so it's this idea that like they're going to go to Dick and ask them maybe to be leader or maybe he'll just fall into the role because mm-hmm. shenanigans because he obviously there's a big cliffhanger that comes up in a little bit but uh, he's at Titans Academy we've got other you know New Teen Titans characters there uh, making fun of him because he likes doing the uh, the circus class if you if you want to call it that I do love that and it's so cheesy but it's also very Dick Grayson that <laughs> of course he's going <clears> to <throat> teach them to fly without nets. Yeah, uh, but the big cliffhanger ending, uh, by and large, though, is that a bunch of, I'll say B-list villains in the sense that the biggest villains are, of course, all on the, uh, you know, they're with Pariah. They're they're with the, right. they're all the hands of darkness, right? right. Uh, well, the, the hands, the hands, the feet, the all the parts of darkness. All of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you got Deathstroke, who obviously were questioning what his mental state's like, given that he just came back from that, you know, weird Lazarus pit uh, yeah. that got infected, but He's leading the team, and there was a, there was sort of a tease for this earlier. Back uh, in the candlelight vigil, uh, Dick said something to the effect of, "Oh, like we have to keep the candles burning to keep their memories living on." And immediately, the next panel is Deathstroke blowing out the candle that he's holding. Which I thought it was interesting; he was even there in the first place. Uh, but yeah. that kind of sets up he's got a plan. So the idea that Deathstroke has assembled a team of B-list villains to come after the Titans, and seemingly kills Beast Boy. Yeah, um, I don't know if I like that. 
but it is a crisis. Raise the stakes, there's... baby. Yeah. It's not yeah, like they've done anything with Beast Boy in ages anyway. Yeah. No, but I, I love Gar. <laughs> I love, you know, and, and who knows? The the world could reset and Beast Boy will be back, right? Sure. Like, yeah, that's always a possibility with these things. I'm not... When I say I don't like that, story-wise, like you just said, raise the stakes. As someone that likes Beast Boy, it, it hurts. And that's... I feel like that's what Williamson's going for, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's the... He's the lovable, affable guy that he, you know, got caught and is almost the, the sacrifice to the story. But um, yeah, Destro game playing, um, and he, you know, is this the society? Is this something that the society is now, you know, evolved from now that he's been infected by whatever the Lazarus thing was? Yeah, um, I don't know. Okay, this is like just such a minor thing, right? It's not really a big deal. This is this is a very Connor esque mm-hmm. critique. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, so, in the art here, they do a thing where you see, like, Beast Boy through, like, a, a panel that's like a scope, right, to show mm-hmm. that he's got a gun pointing at him, and then you see, like, the side shot, and then you get the bang. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the scope's just representative of, of the gun aiming at him, but he's pointing a handgun at him. Right. So, immediately, I saw a, 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 a snickered and went, where's the scope on this big handgun? <laughs> That is a very Connor quibble, um, <laughs> but it, it just matches thematically because we've seen yeah, different heroes targeted throughout. It's just representative, yeah. uh, it, but normally when this happens, it's because someone's actually using a sniper rifle, right? Right. <laughs> Whereas here, it's just like a, it's it's really just a fancy panel rather than representing the the, the specific actuality of what's happening. Yes. So um, I will say the office has ruined the word sniper rifle. For me, because I can't not hear Andy yelling at Jim uh, when when he went to the other branch in Connecticut, and they're playing Call of Duty. Ah, it's two to sniper rifle. It's been a while. The last three seasons were so terrible. I've not rewatched it since yeah, I first well, watched it. Yeah, they are they are on in perpetuity here all the time, so you can catch the early seasons. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's the big sort of main plot cliffhanger is that there there's this war being waged on Titan's Tower. Uh, so presumably the other heroes are going to have to come in and help the Titans, but uh, stakes have been raised. That's a really fun development. Um, and then the other thing we see at the end is outside the multiverse, or we're in multiverse two. Uh, Pariah's monologuing and talking about dying worlds. Uh, you know, usual stuff. But he says we need more heroes from Earth Zero, and. It looks like he's got all of the Justice League sort of like not dead. They're more like trapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like he's absorbing all the powers of all of them, and they're all like in like almost a little Phantom Zone bubbles. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the Phantom Zone, and they're all like almost like their own personal hell. Yeah, kind of deal. So, so, I mean, I don't know if you can say this final page is just confirmation they're not technically dead. Like he just absorbed yeah. them rather than killed them, but. Uh, it you know it's cool, but you get some of that classic crisis imagery of all the worlds lined up, you know, yep. just to make and you, you have, feel crisisy. Yeah, and you have Sam Pierre doing the Kirby crackle box, which is real cool. Ah, I, yeah, I like yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, looks real cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on on the art actually, Sam Pierre, I think, is a pretty so, he's he's like a really upper tier house style artist, is how I describe mm-hmm. Sam Pierre, right? Which is not an insult. Like I think he's really which, good. And and he gets to draw. Like, just about all my favorite characters here, you know, um, which is real cool. That's why I love these big events is seeing seeing the artists take on, you know, uh, and even some of the C and D list villains that, that show up there. It's like a who's who. And then when you look at the vigil, um, 
but all the details are there. Like it's not, it doesn't look rushed. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you're going, looking through the vigil, you can pick out certain uh, heroes. Yeah. And it's from the back as well. So obviously there's, yeah. there's a reasonable attention to detail if you can pick them out from mm-hmm. the back. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I like all that. So no, I like Sam Peter uh, a lot. Uh, on here he's kind of he's, he's, he's kind of perfect for a, a mainline event because he is mm-hmm. he's like kind of house style but he's really good house style uh yeah. in terms of quality so yeah and in uh, the big moments like you said so like the you know uh the vigil the uh when hal swoops in um yeah the assault and titan's tower the assault and titan's uh, tower looks great the john standing in front of the, the statues if I if I flooding. if I have a minor critique, it's maybe the Hal page. Hal looks a little too angry. Yeah, hey, uh, that's Hal's thing. Maybe you hey. could say that works in context, but it, just, yeah. it feels like he's been a bit too aggressive with uh, who he's mm-hmm. talking to. But I mean, I mean, you know, it's just a minor. That's such right. a minor quibble. Yeah, but I feel like Hal is that because he's talking to Wally and John, and he's he's like your dad's friend that doesn't really respect kids, so he's kind of a dick to him. But if he was talking to like your dad and the other friends. He's a completely different person. I don't know. Maybe that's just my experience with my dad's friends. Um, I, I think what sticks out yeah. to me about this is I was curious how Williamson was going to handle it because while he's done relatively these these minis before with lots of these big ideas that have also obviously been building up to this, mm-hmm. these they still felt like oh these aren't like the main thing we should be reading right now. Like they're they're kind of like they feel like ancillary material. And mm-hmm. I was curious to see if, like, his big event that's actually billed as the big event would actually feel like that. And I'd say after what issue it does, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if it, it maintains that throughout and if, like, he's really elevated to the big leagues here where he can he can carry an entire main crisis and it feel like a big deal by the end. I, I, am, I think so far it does, and I think one of the things that I love most about it, and it's something that was missing from his other stories uh, building up to this, it is the focus on John and, and Dick, who, of course, have two mm-hmm. of the better books right now. I mean, uh, Dick especially. Right, uh, they're... Uh, they're, like... Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Like, they're, they're holding up the company. Um, tent poles, kind of. Not not financially, necessarily, but, like, it seems like the main story of the DCU is being told through Yeah, Taylor, I mean, right? I, I think right now is just a great time to be a Dick Grayson fan, especially. Mm-hmm. And I think John as well, because... There is going to be a time when they are more diminished, right? When the right. DC decide to put them in the back seat and focus on mm-hmm. other characters. And that'll be fine to a point when it happens, as long as they're not forgotten about. But right. I think if you're enjoying this particular era right now with these characters and what, what they're, they're doing, and for Dick, it's this like, appreciation of his history and really sort of like putting him on the pedestal he deserves to be on because of who mm-hmm. he is and all the stories he's had over the decades. And then in a much different way, you've got John who... He's still a new character, right? You know, we've only had him for you know since the start of the show, basically, right? Yeah. And, okay, technically, Baby was in Convergence or whatever, but but we know. don't, yeah, that's not really, but it is. It's, it's not a character yet. He is, know? yeah. Well, both of them, like, and you can add Wally in there too, right? These are three characters that have come to prominence because of Rebirth, and we didn't have Wally for a while. Um, you know, even the whole point of that. that yeah, Wally's all special. like Dick and that he should, t- like, we, we were upset the t- for a long time mm-hmm. because he was not as important as he should feel be, or, or, or just outright gone for a long time, even. Right. Uh, but, but now the fact that he has his own, like, the Flash book is going to get a tie-in where he's looking for Barry, you know, I feel like that's, that's another thing. Um, yeah, but what I'm saying is, though, is that he's more like Dick and that he is this, like, classic legacy character. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like what we think of when we think of legacy characters, but... 
It's yeah. important that they're also establishing new legacy characters and building mm-hmm. them up to be something major. And it feels like they're they're really putting it all into to John Kent. Now, whether or not anyone agrees or disagrees if they're succeeding or not, is I mean that's very subjective. It, you right. know, it's open for discussion. But they're they're giving it they're all like he you know he is the superman in a superman book he is interacting mm-hmm. with other characters he has been giving one of the center roles in a crisis event um mm-hmm. and you know one of the things i liked about the premise of this event from the, the, as soon as they announced it was that the main justice league are gone and this is a story where these characters are going to be the ones who have to stand up and like fight most of the battle yeah. so i i'm I, I, you know I'm quite happy with this after one issue. It felt like a big event. I was, I'm excited for issue two. Uh, you know, I, Connor would probably shit all over it for some reason or another. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, but... Connor doesn't like things. <laughs> I'll just let you also know, speaking of Connor, oh, uh, he burned his scalp on day one. Of vacation. <laughs> so, there, there you go. <laughs> they but, don't make SPF that strong. Um, but... but... Like, yes. So, but but I agree. He he is the <laughs> Connor is the great darkness. I just, uh, but surely surely the hair helps like defend his scalp. No, I don't. Bro, I don't know. I wear a hat when I all the time. I've never had to deal with a head sunburn. Like the front of my head, right? This this uh-huh. is like prime sun, right. like right. danger territory right here. I love how he's a living stereotype. <laughs> anyway, no, but Dark Crisis, yeah, I'm sure he'd find quibbles to to complain about. But being that this is focusing on legacy, and that is DC to me, right? Like, you know, when we, we bring up Wally, he was the first of the sidekicks to assume the mantle, right? You know, Barry dies in Infinite Earths, and... He's the one that takes over. Um, and alternatively, as... Dick is just the first sidekick. Yeah, I think. I mean, no, yeah. someone may correct me on that, but I feel like Robin is probably the first sidekick. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm sure someone will find something from an old pulp book. Okay, from, I'll rephrase that. Know. The first one that stood the test of time. <laughs> yes, that's what I say. He <laughs> is. He is though, and that that's what makes him. You know, and John being Superman's son, and the fact that. Superman doesn't really have a legacy character. Like, yeah, you have Kara, right? But she's been so on and off. And I'm only going to take this back to Crisis, right? Um, she's been so on and off in the year since. And, you know, well, they that's, tried that's, to do that's, stuff that's, with... that's DC editorial, though. Like, yeah, Kara, yeah, yeah. Kara should be considered a legacy character. And she, I... like, much like Dick and Wally, she should be more prominent in her positioning. Like, she, right. she, she very much should be, like, the number two, like, female character after Wonder Woman. I, I agree. That's that's the status um, she should have, and it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's actually relatively high up because she has. Just, she every so often she gets a great mini or a mm-hmm. great little like run in one of her books. So so it's not like she's she's not without nothing. Like she does get yeah. good stuff. But I mean, yeah, no. One of one of my all time favorite runs was was during when uh, they did the whole Superwoman thing in her book, uh, where it ended up being Lucy Lane, given Kryptonian powers and like all pre flashpoint stuff. And it was like, that was the book I would read first, you know, every, every time it came out. So they've been close with her, but I feel like they're doubling down on John being like, this is Superman's legacy. Um, and that, you know, the story is being told through him and Dick, which I really like. I mean, they they are Superman and Batman for the most part, um, in ways that their, you know, their parents aren't, you Mm -hmm. know, 
They're they're Superman and Batman in different ways. Yeah, whereas John's way more aggressive. <laughs> Which I did actually like, laugh when when John goes to uh, Jason New York and messes up his car chase. Yeah. He's like, "Who hey, world's finest of us?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that popped me a little bit. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. It's very funny, but yeah. So and whereas Dick isn't as aggressive and brooding as Bruce, they you know they still have that balance and and I feel like Williamson is is well, yeah. a legacy guy, right? Like. He was handpicked by Johns to take over Flash. Yeah, so, it's worth mentioning though that Dick's not his Batman though. Damien's his Batman. No, no, no. I know this, but like, no, I, I know. I know in the context this. of this book, yes. we're pairing them up yes. because they're going to be the two people yes. on the team, right? But right. it's just worth mentioning that in long-term yeah. prospects, like right. John's Batman, if you will, is going to be Damien. Yes, and and that in a weird way, Dick is almost his Superman. Whereas Dick is that person he can look up to. Yeah, that's not yeah, that's not a bad wheel in that, actually. You know what I mean? So, you know, and, and this is why I love these characters. I mean, obviously, my... Superman's also a Superman, but, like, <laughs> you know, I know what you mean, though. Right. Going and talking to your dad isn't the same as going and talking to the guy that you, like, your cool older brother type, right? Like, mm. you know, I guess because Dick's like that for Damien, too, right? Like, you know. Well, well more he's... importantly, Superman was this for Dick. Right, and that's what I was getting uh, to. So, but yeah, no. Um, it, it's Good luck a, to anyone who followed that conversation that just bounced okay. around name to name yeah. and to name to name. Yeah, I mean, but this is why I love DC. This is why I'm doing the show right now. It's these characters and what they mean in the grand scheme of things. And even someone like Hal Jordan, who isn't part of this generation, he is the upper generation, you know, um, uh, and him being involved in how he, that's going to, you know... How is that gonna get with with Dick and John and this whole team? You know, we'll see. But I really enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I like the first issue quite a bit. Looking forward to issue two. Uh, we'll see how the the tie in one shots and the mm-hmm. the uh, the mini with the the Titan. I, I, I guess that there being a young Justice slash Titan. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but the young heroes yeah. mini series that's coming that ties in. I guess it makes a little bit more sense given the like the end of this and like Titans Tower being attacked that there's going to be something focusing on some younger characters. Yeah. I suspect it'll probably spin out of what's happening at Titans Tower, whatever mm-hmm. that book is. Yeah. I could be wrong, but that'd be my I guess mean, right now. You know, Deathstroke does point out that uh, you know them having a tower always makes it a prime. He knows where to hit them. You know, yeah, this goes back to the, the Wolfman and Perez stuff. So, um, yeah, but teens aren't subtle. No, never. That's uh, that's very much the point. All right, what are you giving Dark Crisis issue one? I'm giving it an eight. It's actually kind of reserved, to be honest, coming from you. Because yeah. I was thinking 8.5. Oh. See, uh, I, I had 8.5 and I dropped it by 0.5 just so it didn't seem like I was, you know, <laughs> over the top on it. Trust me. I mean, you probably gave Jurassic World 3 like a 10. So, I mean. 8.5, bud. 9.5! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that much, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm just going to give it a score that's usually, you know, reserved for things like, uh, you know, Jaws and, like, The Godfather. <laughs> I actually don't like The Godfather. I think it's very overrated. I'm sure um, you don't, but, you know, I'm talking people in general, right? Yeah. Movie fandom in general. Well, my, my, 
Just off the top of my head, my three 10-star movies, you know, whatever we're saying, 10 out of 10, are Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, and Jaws. That's all you need to know about me. Uh, and, and right under those... Uh, you have a very back- narrow uh, selection yeah. there. I'm not going to lie. And then, and, then, and then Back to the Future is four. So, um, well, at least Spielberg didn't direct that one. No. It says it does say Steven Spielberg presents on yeah. the poster, so uh, there's a little bit of shadiness yeah. going on there, but just a little, not a lot though. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know what my Mount Rushmore is. It's like aliens, Halloween, Paris, Texas, and Diabolique. That's my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, those aren't bad. I'm kind of a classy man. Yeah, I've seen I've seen three of the four. So needs to see Paris, Texas. Great. All right, Batman issue one two four. Joshua Williamson writing with Howard Porter on art. Uh, so so Joshua Williamson double. Yeah. Uh, on the show, uh, one of them was much better than the other. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that much. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't like. It's it's not bad, right? It's yeah. just not good. Um, it, well. Uh, I think what's weird about it to me is that it's a follow-up to this character, you know, this Detective Kea in Banesia, who is now dressing up as Abyss. That's the plot of this, is that she's dressed up and up as Abyss. She's trying to track down the people who kidnapped and potentially killed her her parents. Yeah. And I think my bigger problem with this is that it, it kind of felt like it, this wasn't... I felt this was out of character, and this is not a character who's been in that much. Like, But just from the few issues of Batman that Williamson himself wrote... In the arc with Abyss, she didn't feel this, like, I don't want to say psychotic, but this uh, Punisher-esque. From, yeah, from and that's this. what I don't like. Like, her running around as Abyss makes no sense. Her looking for the people that killed or might have killed her parents, I like that. Because it does... Oh, no, yeah, I, I get her looking, but, like... Yeah. And I even get but, her dressing up as Abyss. The problem is her beating people to a pulp and, like, yeah. threatening them and saying, you know, I'm and saying she's going to kill them. It just it yeah. felt a bit... I don't know, like, if you want to tell a story which is Bruce, like, not intervening because he, he has to let the person choose not to kill yeah. the person themselves because otherwise they'll just keep thing. trying. I was like, okay, that that's an interesting yeah. idea that he has to just sort of take it on a, a bit of a leap of faith that they're going to make the right choice. Mm-hmm. That's okay, that's interesting because he believes in the person, he believes she's good. Okay, give her a chance. That's neat. And so what's funny is, so the issue starts with, like, a... Uh, like it's like a flashback, and it's meant to mirror the the Waynes, right? Where they're coming out of the theater, I uh, get to the alleyway, and you even see the pearls dropping. And I wasn't mad yet because I was thinking, you know, okay, as much as I don't need to see the Waynes' death again, and I'm sick of seeing the pearls drop, I don't mind similar events happening that are supposed to parallel or, or mirror or whatever. That's maybe overdone, but it's a narrative device that I can live with. Halfway through the issue, it gives us an actual flashback <laughs> to, to Bruce's parents, and we see the pearls drop again for real the second time. So then I get annoyed. <laughs> I, I've said this before: if I have to see pearls drop in an alley one more time, I'm going to lose it. Um, so and- it's, it's when he's talking to her about uh, like his past and you know going after Joe Chill and all that. Yeah, yeah. I don't care that if it's foreign is drawing it. I don't like it. Right, <laughs> I love Fornes. We've been over this. One of my favorite working artists. I do not see the, the Waynes need to bite it again. 
Yeah, also, I, I didn't even also, mention Fornes. He wasn't credited on League of Comic yeah. Geeks. That's my bad. Oh yeah, no, he yeah he did the the Bruce flashback where he's yeah. No, I can see yeah, now that I'm looking at it. It's clearly yeah. different from Porter because yeah. Porter's very very scratchy and different. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, the the Kaya stuff. Even even the movie playing was Mark <laughs> of Zorro or Mask of Zorro. And I was like, this is too on the... Uh, yeah, like, ha- ha- have it be another Jeez. vigilante movie so that it's yeah. kind of similar, but not the exact but one? But not the same one, you know? Or, yeah. You know, it's... it's the Let's let's age of fire. Make it like The Untouchables or something. I don't know. Like, about, you know... Having to embrace darkness. The Phantom, darkness starring Billy Zane. That probably lines up time-wise. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, I haven't seen that movie since the theater, and even at eleven, I knew it was bad. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw it like like fifty times. The just because it was on like the the movie channel constantly yeah. for like a year. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that, that was the thing anyway. that existed. Uh, it was basically it was like a cross between Indiana Jones and a superhero movie where he mm-hmm. was like this adventure, but he had like purple spandex. But and it was he, uh, he but wore it, a, he wore a thick skull ring that he punched uh, people with. But it, but it um, was all about you know it was set in like the thirties or forties and it was all about finding like treasure and tombs and shit so it was very yeah whatever yes. anyway uh so but he tries to talk her down he says that you know he had to, he snuck into Arkham to like stare the man who killed his parents in the eye and he turned away and blah 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 um yeah like see, seeing the pearls drop again like there's almost like I'm not saying there's not a a, a single story where uh, there's probably something that could be written that would justify seeing it again. I'm not saying that there's like absolutely no circumstance whatsoever, but I'm going to tell you now, 99 times out of 100 that it's done in a comic book where we see that alleyway again and we see the pearls drop, they didn't need to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. this is one of those times. Well, and for me too, it's up there with the destruction of Krypton. I don't need to see that either. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, because like, see, the thing is here is like, uh, the important part of the story is that he's saying that when he came back from like traveling and training, mm-hmm. that they'd caught the person, the person who killed his parents, Joe Chell, had been arrested, had confessed, mm-hmm. and it was about him going to see him, right? So there's a nine-panel grid on this page where it intercuts like him sneaking into Arkham, and like it, it, it swaps between that and the 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 alleyway, you know, shooting, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like. All you have to do to fix this is for for the complaint I have right now, is just don't do the flashback panels. Just just have it all be him sneaking into Arkham. You can still tell yep. what he's actually talking about is fine and not overdone. He's just talking about the first time he looked at the killer of his parents in the eye, mm-hmm. right? Or almost did because he sort of leaves before he. Well, and it, and it reminded me of Batman Begins where we we see Bale, mm. you know, with with the gun. He's gonna do it, but he can't ultimately. Um, and you know the whole stuff with Rachel. I I like. You know that's that's a fine thematic element, um, and and I like that it's here to to show the difference with her. But yeah, just yeah. her dressing up as as Abyss too. I just that didn't go over well with me. And then the the pearls again, and I don't know. It just <clears throat> to to cap off Williamson's run, which I mostly enjoyed. And I just kind of felt like a. I mean, I'll be honest. It's short enough that I wouldn't even really call it a run. It's more just like a because it was really because it was really a, just a stopover. Well, it's just, it was really just the Abyss arc and the Robin Shadow War crossover. That's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, it's one arc and a crossover. And the crossover was more of a Robin story. Right. That, that was I a really t- enjoyed that one. That was, Shadow War was fun. Shadow War was mostly uh-huh. pretty fun, but that, that was that was mainly 
I mean, obviously some Deathstroke-ing stuff, but I would say mm-hmm. by and large that that really tied to Robin. Story, yeah. yeah. So you know, it's 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 not it's not terrible. Ultimately, though, she decides not to kill the guy that they track down, but he confesses as to where the bodies are buried. So they find them, they arrest them. And the big thing at the end, I suppose, is that Batman gives her the uh, Batman Inc. card uh, and whooshes away, classic Batman style. Yep. Um, so, you know, that that first arc, or the, first, the, the, the majority of this arc that took place before the crossover, suffered immensely from having three different artists, and two of them were great. And Howard Porter's not a bad artist, but he was so distinct I, from the other two that it was yeah, I don't think he jarring. fits Batman very well. No, it's a I don't think he does either. It's a little too scratchy. You can do shadowy, but his isn't really shadowy. I, mean, hey, I will say, I, I do love the kineticness Howard Porter has. The, well, that's why, the that's why he's good in Flash, typically. Because yeah. the third artist, I can't remember the name, forgive me, but the third artist that was on the rest of this arc even made Yannin's pages look like a step down because they were yeah. so good. It was those Abyss pages were so amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's not as bad here, but like it is jarring going from Fornes back to Howard Porter and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. but Fornes. <laughs> yeah. Fornes has a style that is perfectly fit for Batman. <laughs> like, Especially yeah. Batman detective uh-huh. stories. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, no denying yeah, that. this was just kind of a disappointment until the backup. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's the main story. The backup is a Poison Ivy story. It's actually a lead-in mm-hmm. to the Poison Ivy yeah. book that started this week as well. Um, yeah. And it was actually reading this that made me go, you know what, I'll just skip the, <laughs> the Poison oh, Ivy book. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's not that it's bad. I just, like, I, you know, I read it, and I like G. Willow Wilson as a writer. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've sung her praises uh, many a time before. Um, in fact, you know, Miss Marvel, the show started this week, yeah. and that's her character. She, she started that, and... If you're paying close attention, you can see her name in the first episode, uh, uh, and the school, like the founding people, like like it's the creators. Oh, of the, that's cool. It's a, it's a little Easter egg, but um, yeah. so yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with this backup, but I just it, it just it just reaffirmed the idea that I don't really care about a Poison Ivy solo book. So I don't know how long it's gonna last, but if I can get you know a good you know year, you know twelve issues worth. Is it not a six in- issue? Many? Is it? I, I don't know. Is, I is thought it, it was. Hold on, let's see. Uh, you, you tell me. I, thought, I assumed it oh, was. Yeah. Maybe it isn't ongoing. I don't know. Shoot. I don't know. Let me, let me see. The cover doesn't say out of. Oh, maybe, so, maybe it is technically ongoing then. Yeah. So if we if we can just get a good, you know, definitive Ivy story, um, that'd be great. Because I feel like she needs more of those. But I like this. And I didn't realize that, you know, because we skipped those villain specials mm. and this is this is a from a story in one of those that g Bella wilson did and it's basically ivy can't connect to the green anymore because of when they fused her with um with the the queen ivy and her, her other aspect it cut her off from the way that she used to be able to and that she's turning back human um so i do like that that aspect that it you know because she was forced to go through this change that she didn't want to, yeah. Now she's she's gonna take it out on on the world. Well, it's um, not it's not just that she's gonna take it out in the world. She she's going to try and get her powers back. Uh, she doesn't say who, but she says there's one person who can give me the powers back that I lost. And the gardener like begs her not to do it. And that's basically what this backup is. It's just that decision. She's gonna yeah. go and try and get her powers back from someone that she maybe shouldn't go to. Um, which which so. tells me it's either either Swamp Thing. 
in the parliament or it's Woodrow, right? Yeah, like, I, 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 would you say no, don't do that with the swamp thing she meant? This, this feels like it's more severe than that. Yeah, maybe. I just, I'm thinking of, you know, plant characters tied to, it could be someone completely new too. Who knows? But those, those are the two that my, my brain went to. Um, so I think in her newer origin with, with a gardener, Woodrow is involved, if I remember right. But mm. but no, I, I, I enjoyed that. I mean, I thought the backup was, was good and set the tone for the book that I was already excited for. Um, yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't bad. Like, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, I, I, I get what it's doing um, and it sets up the, the book, but it was kind of like, I, I was kind of like, I to, even though it was Wilson, who I like, I was like, I don't know if I want to read a Poison Ivy book. Um, <laughs> And then I read this back and went, you know what? That confirms it. I don't want to. Oh, <laughs> so dang, dang, dang. So it's just Matt talking about that later. But uh, all right, what are you given the uh, main story? The the main story, I'm giving a six. I was gonna say that's harsh, but then that, but it's because I'd forgotten what we talked about, and I was like, oh yeah, it's this yep. book. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, I'll see a six as well. I think that's fair. I think that's a bit yeah. fair. Uh, all right. Uh, you can read the backup as well if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, the backup's a seven point five. It's just, just good enough. Uh, got me excited for for the main book. Sure. Uh, all right. Flashpoint Beyond issue two. Jeff Johns uh, and Jeremy Adams and Tim Sheridan. Uh, <laughs> Zermatic was on the R as well as someone else. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have we have uh, Yannon. Yeah, and that's, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on one page. Uh, so, I'm not going to lie. I almost didn't read this. Me too. Okay. Right? And do you, know, do you know why it is? It's that first page. That first yep. page made yep. me almost just rage quit. <laughs> I, uh, I I was at work, uh, and I was reading it early in the morning. You know, I got there a little early, had time to kill. And uh, I opened up my books, and I'm like, oh, I'll get Flashpoint Beyond out of the way. I looked at that first page and put it away. I like, I don't have time for this in the morning. I need my coffee first. Joe, Joe, Joe the fighting. I actually went a couple of pages ahead, and I was like, okay, it calms down. Yeah. It's not actually overstuffed yeah. after that. It's just that first page has far yeah. too many narration boxes. Yeah. And because it's in front of, like, a pin board with, like, articles and photographs, mm-hmm. it looks even messier as a result. Right. So it just looks like a, a chore to read. And This... I, I classify this story as, like, it's bad, but I like that it's bad. <laughs> right like it's it's almost self-aware you know i see i think i'm curious as to what's changed things and what batman's doing and where the mm-hmm. stuff at the end of the issues is going to go but mm-hmm. like yeah it's it, it's kind of a weird thing like so we had that whole running thing last issue that we harvey oh. dent's kid wants to learn to shoot and penguins yeah. just letting them do it and then this issue Peng was like oh the kid's asking about learning how to use explosives and Thomas is like, do it. <laughs> and it made me laugh because it's it absurd, but I, yeah. I, you know. Well, and I, I forgot, I forgot he owned the casino because it's been forever since I've, I've thought of Flashpoint. And I remember that cover of the Azrello and Riso um, Batman book that they did, the three issues, where, you know, there's a poker chip. So them seeing the poker chip in this one again, like I forgot the casino was his main source of income. You know, yeah. um, he's not a doctor. He's he's Batman and Casino Mogul, which is hilarious to me. Um, yeah, the the big thing is he's back in Gotham, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. and he hears that Psycho Pirate is like committed suicide, mm-hmm. uh, and he's cell. And 
Psycho Pirate, as he, you know, talks about his narration, like, when reality changes, he remembers everything, right? That's kind of Psycho Pirate, or one of his gimmicks, anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, he's writing things on the wall, like, uh, I don't think I'm the real Roger Hayden, which is kind of a curious idea. The idea that this is maybe more of a duplicate world than it is, like, stuff's been changed. Yeah, uh, like I, a like yeah, like he said, like a copy, it's yeah, like a copy of a world. And I think the fact that there's a bit of there's, a, there's, a, there's some discussion at the end about a snow globe, which I think mm-hmm. actually thematically ties into that idea that this is in a, inside like a big snow yep. globe, effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he runs into Hilda Dent, who wants to talk about her son, uh, oh. and they have a bit of back and forth, and uh, he tries to ask her like, "Hey, like." You know, this this suicide next door wasn't a suicide. Did anyone go in or out? Because you know, it's, you know, it's made to look like a suicide, right? Right. Uh, he immediately is like, this this has like clearly been presented as such, and she, you know, she's looking at the chip and she it's got got the scratch. She's like a the Harvey Dent coin, uh, mm-hmm. um, and she starts talking about Bruce and you know, is very hostile towards him. She actually turns into a uh, Martha. Uh, during the scene for a little bit, the, and then t- the Joker, yeah, yeah, and and but she doesn't have the Joker paint on though. It's just it's just no. like regular Martha, yeah. The, you know the red hair; it's shorter. She changes, so yeah. it's it's what you know he's seeing in this. Um, which I thought was an odd story choice, right? Because he's seeing a mother that's mourning her kids and family, and you know that's her future <clears throat> to him. Um, yeah. Well, she calls him a bad father, and, he, and then he punches the window and the door in uh, out of anger. It, not proving you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she gets and ends up with like blood in her face, and she looks kind of two faced. Yep. <laughs> uh, so pretty funny. Uh, again, I don't think it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> but... No, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> is it self aware? Is it not? I don't know because like we found the death of Barry Allen very funny. Oh, it was hilarious. That, I and... mean, I, I've been saying since issue. This is mean, issue two technically, but issue yeah. zero happened, so it's the third issue. Yeah. Uh, this is car crash comic yep. book. I, I I can't look That's, away in a car crash way. Right, like again, I it's not good. And I'm reading it. And I'm not going like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. In the way I'm invested in the story, it's like, what else are they gonna do? Right, like. Yeah. And I will say, yeah, there is that glorious full page spread. There's like a woman being mugged, and Batman has this full. Uh, I say, I say Batman. You know, Thomas Wayne Batman. Yeah. Uh. Lands, lands in the alleyway and there's like lightning behind them is a fantastic page so i'm trying to see how this ties into the whole dark crisis thing and pariah and the snow globe and because remember dr batman was going around with president superman that's how we got that name so when i when i brought that up that he's dr batman so now i'm, I'm trying to think like is this a oh, world and, and they mentioned dark crisis in the book because yeah. earlier the, the other copper whoever it was said that Psycho Pirate keeps saying that he's escaped, he's hiding here from a dark crisis. Yeah. So it's actually running concurrently in some way. So, I mean, let's say all the Justice League right now are trapped in their own worlds, maybe mm-hmm. like uh, Psycho Pirate is, or like uh, right. or like Thomas Wayne is. Maybe, maybe that's because right. Thomas Wayne, like, who killed him? Did he, did he die in a similar way to the Justice League where he got disintegrated? I feel like he made it. Not quite disintegrated, but it was by the darkness. It was yeah. the dark. It was it was before Darkseid was possessed, I think. So I wonder if it's like a set, like mm-hmm. taking people and putting them in their own bubbles 
kind of like Wally is, or not Wally, Barry is. Yeah. In that, in that Golden Age, Silver Age looking. That's right. That's right. He's got right? this perfect weird fifties looking like life. Yeah. 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 So I'm wondering if this is something similar, and we're just getting you know the Flashpoint. What, what was that in? Okay. What was what was that scene in? Was that the end? Of... There, there was a, I think Justice League Incarnate. Oh, was it okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what that, what that was, but yep. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Thomas is like beating the shit out of people. Uh, Captain Boomerang's one of the m- muggers. I, I actually, yeah. he, he kind of said he started speaking to himself in his narration, and he says that, "Well, this world's not supposed to exist. So when I fix everything, every everything will go back to normal." So he's he's kind of like you know, I could just kill everyone I want, and just it wouldn't matter. Justify it, yeah, because everything's going to be reset anyway. So therefore, it doesn't matter. Uh, but he actually does hesitate when he's holding the gun. Uh. And he sort of sees, like, almost as if he's aiming the gun at Bruce, and he sort of has a memory of that. So it's like he's actually hesitating. But just before he can make his choice, who shows up but Flashpoint Superman and his weird outfit? Yep. The negative one <laughs> yeah. of it all. Yeah. And he, he says um, everything matters, because he just said it didn't. And then we get our last couple of pages, which is the little kid from the Time Masters uh, mm-hmm. talking about, hey, Bruce... You got that. You got that watch from uh, you know, Manhattan and that. But who you took the snow globe from, like that's that's bringing on some heat. Like they're going to come. Yeah. So. Which makes me wonder because he's talking about how, you know, uh, he's talking about Rip Hunter, and you know, you don't you don't do that, and it causes ripple, and yeah, I wonder who they're talking about. Um. So it's crazy. Yeah, I am. I'm curious. It has to be said. Uh, the stuff in the, the end of the issues, I'm really intrigued and in how it ties in in any way to Dark yep. Crisis. I'm, I am I am fascinated by. Because it, it feels like Bruce has something to do with this, and I don't know if, I, if I'm reading it right or not. You know? Well, the um, thing is, though, like when I said it's running concurrently to Dark Crisis, obviously Bruce is technically missing and or dead mm-hmm. uh, in Dark Crisis. So... The Bruce parts had to have taken place beforehand, or possibly after Dark Crisis, depending on what right. the reveal is of what he's doing. Right. Maybe maybe this is something he did after Dark Crisis happens. Maybe or maybe it's yeah. something he did just before. I don't know, but I, I I am morbidly curious. I suppose is the best the the best way I can describe my interest in this book. Which, to be fair, it's impressive that I still feel that way after three issues of it because mm-hmm. you know typically you're morbidly curious for the first issue and you see what it is and you're like okay I can stop reading this now. I am still morbidly curious after three mm-hmm. issues, so it's at least doing one thing right. <laughs> I agree. It's like you said it right. It's car crash comic books. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say to be honest. Uh. Some of the art is, is, is pretty good. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't fault the art. Like I say, that full-page oh. spread of Batman landing in the alleyway is yeah. pretty spectacular. It almost caught me off guard because, like, nothing in the art... I mean, the art wasn't bad before then, but there was nothing flashy. There was nothing like, oh, here's some no. great, you know, pages or whatever. But then you hit that page, it's like, oh, shit, this is like a pinup all of a sudden. Like, you know, yeah. where did this it, come from? Zermanico has those flourishes that we've seen yeah. in Flash and other books. Well, Zermanico's so a great artist. I mean, mm-hmm. if anything, I'd say he's punching below his weight in this. Yeah. Uh, but, but maybe but maybe that's the point maybe we're gonna build to more you know like you said it's more journeyman stuff where like yeah the art's fine but nothing notable so he's almost building up these moments as the story goes um but yeah i don't not 100 on it but yeah uh, i'm glad it wasn't just me that has these same feelings uh, i'm glad that we at least line up on that so 
Yeah, well, we'll see where it goes <laughs> next issue. Because yeah, right? <laughs> it could be anywhere, quite frankly. Uh, what are you giving Flashpoint Beyond issue two? I mean, that's 6.5. This is... I'm tempted to give it a 7, but not because it really deserves it, but because that's the level of which I'm enjoying it, but not necessarily all for the right reasons. Yeah. Are you too? <laughs> so, there's something to be said for that. Uh, but yeah, I did enjoy it more than Batman, so... Mm-hmm. There you go. Alright. Batman! Killing Time, issue 4. Tom King writing David Marquez on the art. Um, still playing with the time, jumping back and forth. Now we revolve around a meet between Riddler and the woman who is purchasing the mysterious item. Um, mm-hmm. But we also see that she has replaced all of the workers at this diner with her own people. Uh, yeah. But Riddler's also stashed Catwoman in like a cupboard and she's going to jump out and help. So that's, that's stuff that it bounces around, sets up and pays off as it's going. This story, and I love it for this, is needlessly elaborate. Oh, like, yeah. There's so many different things going on that it is. It is really hard for me to keep everything straight. Um, so I'm curious to see how this reads once it's released in a trade, you know, because you're going to not have the time in between the books to remember oh, sure. all the stuff, you know? Yeah. So, um, I will say that the, the addition of the help, it might be one of my favorite Tom King things. Cause this is a character that, yeah, you know, I, like I wasn't him. here. Yeah. I wasn't here to talk about him last, last time cause I was on vacation, but I just, uh, he's has the evil anti-Batman. Oh, that's right. Cause, you know? Yeah, Car never read it, so I had to talk about right. him on my own. But yeah, uh, you know, I I really like the whole after he beat Batman in a fight, he's like, "Hey, you could be good if you want training. Yeah. <laughs> come come yeah. in, <laughs> come and speak." And, to and him. I'm reading him as Jason Statham because he's a bald, scary guy. So reading mm. reading that voice with that, you know, the gruffness. Um. So so you know them teaming up here even more, and then what we learn about the help. Yeah, uh, in this book too, I was like, "Oh man, this is it's one of my favorite Tom King editions of the Batman lore." Yeah, the help in this issue, uh, he's obviously very violent, as we, as we yeah. know. Uh, he he goes into a a, a petrol station, or sorry, a gas station, uh, yeah. for a map, and the guy's like, "Dude, what year is it? Like, use your phone." Yeah. And he's like, uh, "I don't have a phone." It's like, "You should well, you should get one then." And then he kills the guy and takes his phone. Yeah, it's it very his, um, took his very, advice. Uh, no- no country, yeah. old man, right? Yeah. Uh, so, Rindo. basically, he wants to track down Batman. He he knows that he figures that Batman will probably check the zoo, and sure enough, there's a bunch of tigers. We we keep cutting back to Batman like dodging and fighting tigers mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, throughout the issue, and the help shows up and well helps. Yeah, uh, but That's what he does. But he's like, hey, I, I I want to find this item. Uh, you want to find this item, and maybe when we get to the point where we actually have it within reach, we'll have to like you know once again go toe to toe, but. Until we'll then, it. yeah, yeah. So it's basically Royal Rumble rules. We're going to team yeah, up right? until until the prize is within sight, and then we can mm-hmm. then we can do the fight. But uh, Batman's not excited about it. But obviously, he needs to find them. Needs to find Selena. Needs to find Riddler. Right. Uh, the other big thing though is that Penguin wakes up in the hospital and pulls out his uh like his medical apparatus. And it's a. This is a demonic page. Like, see, see the page where he screams when he pulls out his uh, tube from his mouth. Mm-hmm. That is like a horror page. And later on, like they never show him clearly. Like, there's another scene later on where he's clearly talking to Two Face, and you can just. It doesn't reveal Two Face's face either. You just see like the coin being flipped, and you see the silhouettes of them standing on like the docks, 
and it's basically Penguin is hiring for a night. He gives Two Face a lot of money and says, mm-hmm. "I need all of your goons, all of your men, for one thing, for one night." And there's an implication that this is not the only people that he's hiring. He's actually going around all of the other villains and getting yeah. all of their goons because he's going to put on an assault, presumably on Riddler and Catwoman, right? Because they and, betrayed and him by proxy, Batman and the Help, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I thought I thought that stuff was really well handled, and it mm-hmm. kind of like built me up for some suspense. Where I was like, "Oh, I'm actually really excited about uh, yeah. about this." And obviously, the stuff with the Riddler and the woman uh, sitting talking about like, because she's like, "Well, I sent the guy with the money to come get the thing, yeah. and he turned up dead. It's not my fault you didn't get. It. He went where you told him to. Give me my yeah. item." And right. Riddler's like, "No, pay me." It's like I already I, I sent the money to you. <laughs> so yeah, their little back and forth was great. It's good. I think what makes it work as well as an issue is that the whole time she thinks she's got the upper hand, and we see that she's got the upper hand because she's replaced all the employees with her own people. Right. But then Riddler's just as cocky, and then eventually Catwoman kills like all of her men, and it's like, yeah. oh shit, you never had the upper hand. You thought you did. Yes. But you know, theater is so. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed all that stuff. Um, and then of course it ends with Batman the help the the. They investigate this diner at the end, mm-hmm. and the help's like, "Well, it looks like nothing ever happened, but because he's an expert, he's like, I know, I know what to look for, and they've cleaned it up. Whatever went down here, there was something violent, but it was cleaned up. Yep. Uh, so, yes, so we have to, we have to go. Uh, yep. So that, that's basically the end of the issue. Uh, there's also these like you know historic flashbacks that thematically tie in. Uh- yeah, the ancient Greek stuff with the, you know, the the queen that killed her son and put his head on a spike, but she was in such a rough, me- or such a ecstatic mental state from Dionysus that she doesn't realize it's her son until yeah. it's already too late. And then it jumps so ahead I, to, like, uh, yeah. like 500 years later where yeah. they're doing a play of this right. event, right. yeah. Uh, where, I, and then, to, I, I do have to admit, like, a lot of the dialogue in the play section is just kind of, like, was a blur oh, to bro, me. Oh, bro, it's tough. I just skimmed it just because, yeah. like... Like, it's all old, you know, Greek playwright stuff. Yeah, so. I, I have a hard time yeah. reading that stuff. So I just like I get the idea of what it's doing. Yep. I'm sure there's some nuance in here that I would get if I could understand this, but I'm just going to skip yeah. past it. I, I agree. Um, but it's also revealed that that the help has ties to Ra's al Ghul. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why uh... he's so long lived, and you know, Ra's calls him son, which I don't think it's his actual biological son. No, no. But it, but I do think he was someone that he looked at as a successor like bruce they did imply you know? last issue that he you know he, he can recognize raz al Ghul's training yep. so uh-huh. uh but yeah he never sees like his face and i don't think everybody sees bruce's face but there's a moment where you can you can sort of tell bruce is one of the ninjas who's training yep. and you know he mentions like hey this one this guy's the one he's my heir kind of thing yeah and so yeah it feels like it feels like the help was you know someone that was earmarked and special to raz and then something happened and it was and, Raz who gave Bruce this item as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but something happened which led to him going and, you know, lending his services out across, you know, whatever. But, you know, I, so yeah, I do but, like that tie that why he's so invested in this thing too is, you know, it, it ties back to him and who he is. Yeah, because last issue, it, was, it felt almost abrupt. Oh, and I like the twist, though. I like the twist yeah. that he goes to Penguin and says, no, I'm, I'm claiming this for myself. I, yeah. I'm no longer working for you, Penguin. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I like that moment here. It gives it a little bit of context where what? once he found out what the item was, he's like, wait, I know that item. I've been thinking about that item ever since I saw it that one time when Raz, you know, whipped yep. it out. <laughs> uh, so yep. maybe that's so, what it is. It's just Raz's dick. <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. No, it's, it's just really good. But I'm, I, it's another thing I'm glad we lined up on uh, is is the, the, the Greek text stuff. I was like, I'm reading this late at night. And I'm just like, what, I, what's funny is the one of us who might like it out of the three of us is Connor, but Connor wasn't reading the book. <laughs> and Connor would, yeah, Connor would pick out all the nice little nuance in it, and you know, but yeah, no, that, that's very funny. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it's it's. I just thought of the boys because I mentioned Razagul's dick. Uh, yes. Just. <laughs> I don't need to know. I don't. But I, I'm not going to say what it is, but there was something that was created as a meme a number of years ago, which I think inspired a certain scene in The Boys, uh, most recent episode. And I'll just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so, no, I like this issue quite a bit. Marquez's art, of course, is uh, it's great. top-notch. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's very consistent. And... It's very expressive, which is especially good when you've got scenes like the Riddler, like and because you know, it's 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 basically a Tarantino scene where it's just two people at a table talking, mm-hmm. but there's so much layered into their intentions and like what's been revealed around them. In fact, obviously Tarantino doesn't jump around as much as this comic does, but the idea of jumping back to earlier and showing you when they set up the trap is actually very Tarantino. Yes. So you know, there's a little bit yeah, of that in here, and not just the jump around, but the way that there's like. Four different plans in play, mm-hmm. right? Like we have Riddler's plan, we have Batman's plan, we have the Help, and then we have Penguin. And then it feels like Catwoman. I'm sure she has her own thing going on, too. But it, it, each plan involves the other person at a certain point, too. So it's all very intricate. It's very clockwork. Oh, yeah, and- I wouldn't be surprised if Catwoman's not actually murdered anyone. She's just injured them, and it turns right. out she's actually kind of in cahoots with Batman by the end yeah. somehow. Right. I, I I don't know how I, I doesn't I don't know if it adds up exactly, but uh I, I feel like there's maybe gonna be a twist at some point in this. But we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh so yeah, this is issue four of six. Yep. Uh we're past the halfway point. Yeah, I have quite enjoyed this to be honest. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is better than anything King's done Batman wise since before the, the wedding problem. Well, no, I like the jury stuff with Mr. Freeze. Yeah. That was probably the last Tom King How's Batman it, this thing is- that I really, really loved. The jury stuff is my favorite Batman stuff that King did, but this is coming to a close second. Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying this. All right. Uh, what are you rating Batman Killing Time issue for? Uh, 8.5. Yeah, I'll agree with that. 8.5. Really good. Um, so, cool. All right. Poison Ivy issue one. Jill Willow Wilson writing with Marcio Takara on the art. Take it away, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, this was set up in in the backup to Batman World 24, and it's Ivy um, trying to get control of who she is because now she feels that she, when she got separated, there was the Queen Ivy persona, and she had basically Gotham in her hand, and at any point she could, you know, bring its reckoning down. So she had all this power uh, because she had separated her human or, or compassionate side. And then when the gardener and Harley put her back together, it stripped her of that power, or at least that's how she feels. And so in order to uh, 
try to reclaim some of this power. She is driving across the country, um, and she has a a plan that by the time everyone figures out what she's doing, it'll be too late, and that it involves using the the mushroom uh, Ophidia cordyceps. I can't remember the second half of it. I'm gonna have to look through, but um, it's this parasitic fungus that I'm sure people have seen it, where it infects like an ant and it completely turns the ant into a zombie, and then it takes the ant to the highest point where it will fall off, and then it'll release some more spores. And so what Ivy's doing is she's going across the country and infecting people with this uh, Ophidia cordyceps um, and just leaving a reign of terror across. Uh, and as she's going, it looks as if she's peeling away the green. So she is really, you know, the loss from Queen Ivy to back almost to Pamela Isley, who has a little bit of control of, of certain things, um, is really what's causing her to do this. She's struggling to have her relevance. Um, and we find out that she stole a van from these two people she came across. She infected them with the Aphidia cordyceps. Um, and they're blooming in the back, and she uses that to infect other people. So early on in the book, she comes across this this ranch, uh, and these two ranchers are trying to figure out what happened to the cows. Um, she's there, uh, and she um, infects them, and you find out that it it's quick acting, um, and that um, you know she she could see that this guy, as he has the gun, that she kind of wanted him to pull the trigger in things. But there's a part of it that she knows that she she can't. Um, but it it winds up. She's driving across the country. She winds up in this bar, and she flashes back to Harley, um, and that Harley's upset that she's gonna leave, and she's upset with Harley because when she had Gotham in the palm of her hands as Queen Ivy, they took that away from her, and you know that's the most powerful she had been, and they you know because of her compassion, it was taken from her. Um, so in this bar, these two guys hit on her. They think, uh, she's a sex worker. Um, they won't take no for an answer. She goes to leave. They come outside the bar and it starts to get dicey. I want to quote um, Arnold here. I want to say a big yes. mistake at Arnold. Yes. Place. Yes. Uh, and she, she deals with them and infects them with the, the fungus. And we kind of see the, what they see when they're infected with it. And it, she says that it's her only pathway into the green um, is when she affects people with this, is that she almost gets a charge off of it. And she sees this kind of psychedelic world where she is still the poison ivy that we know, right? She still has her power. And wherever she's going, she feels like this is how she's going to get that power back. Uh, Takara's art here, uh, <laughs> when it gets to the psychedelic, it's not psychedelic in that way where everything's like lush and it it's almost scary there's really jagged points her hair's all wild uh she has claws and it's quite frightening so it's definitely you know ivy is embracing the villain uh, side of here um but it's you know she still is having these second thoughts uh because of you know who she is and um as she leaves you know she's talking about how you know, that that 
humanity is an invasive species and that the only way to deal properly with invasive species is to remove them. And so as, as she drives away from this, this bar parking lot, the two people that she just turned into these, these uh, basically mushroom colonies starts to twitch. Um, and that's where the book ends. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't fully buy her being this full villain. I feel like by the end, because the way that she talks about Harley and at first she was upset because, uh, you know, she felt like she was finally at her peak and it was taken away from her because of her ties to humanity. I feel like that's the point of the book going forward is that she's always going to have these ties no matter what. Right. She's not a purely plant being anymore. Uh, and I like that Wilson, you know, pulled that from her is that in the we see in the, the Batman backup that she wrote, you know, she's peeling, you know, the, the green's peeling off of her. Um, and so here she still has some control of things, but it's almost like it's waning. Um, so it, it's her coming to terms with that she's still human and she's still part of the vicious species and that she shall have to go too. But, you know, by the time everyone figures out what she's doing, it's going to be too late. So I fully expect to see the gardener and Ivy and some of these other you know, people from, you know, Ivy Sphere showing up and how it impacts them. But I thoroughly enjoyed this book. A shocker, right? Um, just Takara's art is the, you know, the perfect showcase here. I really liked what they were doing in Wonder Woman through that arc with the, the uh, what were they, the duplicates? You know, where it's, things feel just off enough to feel like there's something wrong. But uh, so like in the, the pages with Ivy, you know, feels like she's up to something, but you're not quite sure. Um, but no, it's it's a really good book. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes, how long it lasts, because if this is only like a, you know, a six issue thing, I mean, this seems to be the, the Ivy kind of book that we needed, kind of like Cycle of Life and Death was, where it kind of resets her as a character. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm going to give this an, an 8.5. Okay. Did you panic because I left you alone? Uh, a little bit, but I, I got out <laughs> what I needed to say. <laughs> but you got to pee, you got to pee, all right? It's not a good time felt, for no, it. No, I felt like Garth in Wayne's World where, when, <laughs> when Wayne leaves him, uh, but I couldn't go, hey, what's that? I mean, I've <laughs> left you so, and Connor together on your own many a time. But that's different because I have Connor to bounce off of. Yeah, just yeah. by myself to vamp. I probably talked way too fast. They they, they always say, you know, when, when wrestlers went into NXT and they would learn from Triple H, he tell them if you think you're going too fast, slow down. And then if you think you're going too slow, slow down. You know, because on TV it looks different. Mm. I felt like I probably needed to slow down, but I just couldn't. So, you know, lesson learned. There you go. Uh, Dark Nice of Steel, issue 7, Tom Taylor, writing with Nathan Gooden on the art, which, well, that's a different artist. I don't recognize that yeah. name. Yeah, no, it, it's it's not the, the artist that um who's been doing it i'm drawing a blank um so that was a bit disappointing but uh, it's still good hmm yeah so this is we, we kind of we, we never saw uh bruce last issue right we never nope because we got that ending where he was picked up by the, the kents mm -hmm. but we never actually got to see the, the aftermath of that so this issue focuses entirely on that it starts off with him having a nightmare of the elves coming and killing them and burning everyone else to a crisp with their heat vision. Mm -hmm. And he wakes up in a cold sweat. And it does this thing where 
you actually can't tell. I mean, see when you look at it, and once you know that it's Beast Boy, you mm-hmm. can see that it's slightly green, but it sort of plays it like the light and the coloring is. Like, it's yeah. almost just like it's just lighting in the room rather than he's actually green. So right. when it's revealed in a, a couple of pages that it's actually Beast Boy, and that's why he could talk, you're like, ah, that makes sense. So it turns out that the Kents have actually been kind of a safe haven for young meta, you know, humans, right? So in this right. case, it's the New Teen Titans, right? Uh, it's Raven, Cyborg, and uh, who's the other one that's there? Starfire. Have, uh, Starfire, Cyborg, Beast Boy, and Raven. Uh, and these these are the Titans that Roz was talking about in the last issue. Yeah. That he wants. Uh, so they all don't like Bruce because Bruce has spent his life hunting down metahumans. Uh, but this yep. is very much an issue where Bruce uh, has to kind of accept that he's been kind of wrong and apologizes to them and because uh, mm-hmm. there's even a joke where he's like, you know, I'm sorry for what I've... Because co- even at the start of the issue, when he wakes up, he says some pretty unnice things. Uh, yeah. And he tries to apologize, and Cyborg's like, you know, I've never been apologized to by a prince before. Maybe maybe, maybe some more yeah, groveling nice. would be good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so you get a little bit more of this, and you get this idea at the Kents of these really good-natured people who take in uh, those who are different. So it really fits yeah, the, with the wayward. Yeah, ones. it fits yeah. off with who they are. Uh, Dick shows up, uh, and Starfire actually holds him upside down. But he's actually yeah. there to warn Bruce because of what the elves are doing. The war's happening. Yeah. Uh, but war also kingdoms. that uh, Razal Gil is outside and wants the Titans. And this is kind of like Bruce's proper hero journey, where he's like, "No, I'm going to protect you all. I'm going to go mm-hmm. out there and be." the Batman knight and, and do this. Uh, and of course the Kent's like, no, we're, we're suiting up as well. So they get their, their armor on. Yeah, because and... <laughs> before, before we were this, you know, way station for kids that needed help, we were soldiers. Well, the paw Kent was at least. Um, and yeah, so I like that. So he's uh, like, no, no we, we can... uh, it was both of them. I think I said we. we, 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 we... Oh, did they say we? Yeah. Oh, well, they were both soldiers. They're, they're not going to go down without a fight, which, which I loved. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Raz turns into Etrigan, which obviously that was revealed. Uh, yep. Uh, previously, the demon, new new uh, uh, spin on the demon's head, which I yeah. do love. Uh, and all of these ninjas are basically zombies. Yep. Uh, because they're they're all like, from Lazarus pits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, oh, you don't have to hold back, Kent. So you can kill them. No. Uh, but Batman goes through the wall, and the Titans decide that they're going to join in, and we get this. It's actually probably the, this is the most nerdy kind of like. You know, this is uh-huh. just t- Taylor having fun with doing weird shit. Uh-huh. Is uh, Beast Boy says, "No, we should join the fight with you, uh, Batman," and he's like, "No, no, no, no!" Like you know, like I don't think you know a dog's going to help a, in the fight. A talking dog. Yeah, and yeah. Beast Boy says, "I can turn into any animal that I've seen, and believe me, I've seen some weird shit." And then the next page is he's turned into a dragon because this is a a, a fantasy world where dragons exist. So Beast Boy has turned uh... into a freaking dragon, which so. I don't think, because yeah. he, he can't, like, t- turn into mythical creatures in, like, the real DC universe, right? No, he's, uh, a lot like Vixen, I believe his power comes from the morphogenic field, like, you know, yeah. Animal Man so, and Vixen. But, because he's become dinosaurs before, but they're part of sure. the morphogenic field. But, but so. presumably, though, he, like, surely when that's happened, though, it's because there's been a dinosaur that he's actually been able to be near. Tap into. Yeah. Right. Right. right, so right. He can't just, you know, pull it from history. So, no. like... 
I mean, someone's probably going to pull out some weird story where he's turned into a dragon before, and that's okay, but I presume the context for it is always, oh, they've been transported to another world where dragons exist. Where dragons exist. Yeah, or they've, or whatever. Or alien world, right? Where's the aliens, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but this is obviously just a normal thing in this world. There's a dragon, so. Yeah, um, so the cover has Batman or Bat Knight riding a dragon, and, you know, I know covers aren't usually indicative, <clears throat> but the fact that Tom Taylor gave us Batman on a dragon... And the dragon happens to be Beast Boy. Mm-hmm. It just makes me so happy. Yep, yep, uh, absolutely. And obviously, there's this kind of interesting bit where you know, Talia talks to Batman, and so like, obviously we know from the real universe that they have this history, but they don't yeah. hear. So there's a, there's a there's a weird bit of like meta tension for the reader, I think. Uh, but it, it does feel like she's reserved more, you know, mm-hmm. where she almost she's not agreeing with her father. You know, and she sees something in Bruce that she likes. So I did like that tension there. Yeah. Uh, so very neat. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so this war is all kicking off, and basically, not unlike the Kents to sort of inspire a hero to go and do something good, but they basically say, "Hey, these powers are a gift. Uh, they're a responsibility." And if you can go and help stop a war, then that's where you need to be. Because Bruce wants to stay. He, by, by the end mm-hmm. of this little story where he's fought off uh, Raz al Ghul and that, he's like, I'm going to stay here and pr- help protect these kids because I, uh-huh. I kind of owe it to them. And the Kent's like, no. Like, if, there's, if you can prevent a war, this three-way war that's about to kick off because of what's happened, you need to go and help stop that. So that's kind of the... Uh, so you know, it's, it's basically he's getting a Pat Kent speech. But it's not Superman, it's Batman. Mm-hmm. Although he has Superman's powers, so it's a very confusing yeah. web of, of logic. Yeah, but, Taylor's know. really done this thing, because I still don't know what to trust about the L's, because I feel like there's something else going on. Um, that that Nothing's a well, nothing's what it seems. Well, we know Zala right? didn't actually kill Jefferson. That was revealed, right? So Right, and the same with, with Clark, or with, with Cal, and, and uh, Bruce. I feel like there's more going on there because they also say that they pulled out a green chunk out of him. They can't say that, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm wondering if that has to do with the with with the kryptonite. I'm not sure, but there's something going on with the green man. I feel. Yeah, we we know there's control. this there's a green man, a green villain who's pulling a lot of strings yeah. here. So we don't know. Yeah, we were speculated in the past of who it might be, but they're still kind of keeping that yeah. close to the chest for now. So, but we'll we'll see how that all goes because I'm very. I'm loving how the story is unfolding. I like the the introduction of the Titans here. I love the Kents being like this, you know, house where where people pass through that are different. And they talk about their first, you know, the first one they found was Aquaman, right? He was a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the, you know, the prince of the seas that was half human. You know, didn't feel like he was part of either world, but now he's, you know uh he he's a ruler there they, they, they joke about how he was very insecure but now he's got yeah. this massive ego yeah yeah and so i i just love that aspect of the kids here and you know them having starfire and, and cyborg and i'm trying to think how cyborg works here like is he steam powered like <laughs> what's going on there it's is, mythical you know? it's mythical yeah. robotic armor it's not technology yeah. i guess yes yeah, you know so uh, and then raven and and her stuff and her magic I liked all that, so it's a lot of fun. But again, Batman got to ride a dragon, and that's cool. So thank you, Tom Taylor. Yeah. Uh, no, this is probably one of my 
more favorite issues i mean the art is actually very good so you know it was yeah. one of those things where i saw it was a different name and went oh no yeah and then there's like oh no this is actually really solid and it fits the style mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure if you compare it to the, the issues, uh, the weird thing because we had like a fill-in artist for that flashback mm-hmm. issue that we had in the middle, mm-hmm. and that was fair enough. But it feels like very quickly we've went onto another fill-in artist, uh, albeit a good one. So yeah, uh, maybe, maybe there has been a bit of an issue keeping the artist on schedule for for this. Uh, yeah, we got like maybe I think I think we got the first five uninterrupted, but then it's, yeah. uh went a bit. Yeah, maybe the first uh, first five I think yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a bit of a shame, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's good. It, given that it's like a 12 issue series, though, it is kind of weird that they wouldn't just choose to like have a couple of gaps or one big gap in the middle to like let the artists get ahead. Um, you know, ongoing comics is kind of impossible unless they work in a certain quick style that lets them keep that monthly rotation going. But right. when it comes to like, you know, prestige minis or things like that, like, you know what, give them a bit of extra time, you know, it's fine. You know, Human Targets went on a break in the middle so it can keep the same artist and yeah, good because, like, you know, the art is phenomenal and that yeah, would so feel different if it wasn't him. Did, did I tell you that I went back and I read his Vampironica that Smallwood did? I did not, and, he did not, no. Yeah, so I went and read it and it's, it's very Buffy-esque, um, but it, it stops being his art after the first issue Aww. and it's kind of a letdown. yeah. Because you're like, oh, he's drawing all this Archie stuff and vampires. And then it's someone who is very similar to Smallwood, but you can tell it's not. Um, and he did the art breakdowns. So, yeah, it, it definitely helps if you could keep it. And that was only four issues. And, you know, I know Smallwood's busy and had other things going on. But, you know. Um, but, yeah, uh, if, if Poochie needed a break, they could have built it in, I guess. And, you know, did something. But. Oh no, the art was so good here. Like I'm not complaining, like you said, about the art. It's just it's not poetry uh, when I was expecting it. Um, so so it's a small complaint, but it's there. Yeah. Um. All right. What are you writing? Darn Steel issue seven. Uh, I'm giving this an eight. <clears throat> yeah, actually, you know what? I'm a, I I have been a little lower compared to you and Connor on this series, just because yeah. of taste. But I would actually agree this one's an 8. I think this is one of the yeah. best issues that it's had. Uh, maybe it's because it's, it's playing into more who these characters are, rather than mm-hmm. the fantasy tropes. Yeah. Other than the dragon, of course. Right. Being and how they relate it. to this world, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's playing on like, who, who the, what these characters are at their core, and mm-hmm. you know playing them off of each other, and that's far mm-hmm. more interesting to me than yeah. the, the fantasy stuff. So... Uh, Cool. All right, there you go. Uh, that is that. Aquaman Andromeda issue one. Ram V uh, writing with Christian Ward on the art. So this is a black label prestige books. One of these big chunky fifty pagers. Um, it's it it almost feels like a an indie book in the sense that yeah, it's set in a world where Aquaman exists, but mm-hmm. Aquaman is a relatively small character. Is very mythical in yeah. this, and we mostly focus on the crew of a submarine that is launched from uh, another ship uh, called, called the Andromeda, which is going down to investigate mm-hmm. a mysterious, uh, seemingly UFO that crashed into the ocean. Yeah, uh, so the so- point that it's going to is where, for decades now, they've dropped, like, spaceships and satellites because it's the, the deepest point from, you know, anywhere on Earth, right? It's the middle of the ocean. 
Um, well, not so just it's, that. It's, 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 it's the deepest, it's, it's the furthest away from civilization, but it's also mm-hmm. because of the uh, something to do. They say it in the book. International but, waters, right? Well, no, 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 no. no. It's, it's, it's something to do with uh, the the area, but it, it kind of like stops like all the uh, nutritional water from like going there. Mm-hmm. So there's not even that much wildlife. It's like it's kind of like right. a dead area in the ocean, but there's not even a yeah. lot of sea life. Well, and I and I took that. That's because it's so isolated and it's so deep, right? Like there's like not even life goes there. Uh, sort of stuff goes to die. Well, no, um, they actually say it in the book. What causes it? There's like a, it's a water thing. Like like the. <laughs> Man, I need to read this more carefully. I was taking it as <laughs> like I can't you know. explain it. I, I, yeah. I, I'm assuming it's based on something kind of true, I, I, but I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's bollocks. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm trusting Ram V knows what he's doing here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's a line in the book which I thought was kind of neat. It's, it's like part of the reason why it's chosen to dump stuff, and I also assume mm-hmm. this was kind of true. Like maybe they dump like certain ships mm-hmm. here or something. I don't know. Uh, but um. Yeah, so so we get interest in this character Yvette, who's kind of our main character, who's on this crew, um, and they're on this mysterious, you know, mission, and there's a bunch of different scientists who have been assembled for this. Uh, so it's very much like a lot of different movies that bring a lot of different you know, specialists together for like a, mm-hmm. a first contact situation. But the way this this thing crashed into the water suggests some form of intelligence because it's picked this area specifically. Um, the way it crashed was kind of suspicious, so. This this hard ass captain is taking them down here, and he's like explaining to them that this is this is a potential first contact. Yeah, so this is called the spacecraft cemetery, yeah. uh, because every major space program has been using this as a, a dumping ground since the seventies. I'm assuming that's based on some truth. Uh, that feels, yeah. that feels like a bit there's, of there's a specific name to it, Point Nemo. That's I'm gonna yeah. look this up. Uh, I'm assuming that's so. based on some sort of real uh, nerd trivia. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, was it? Yeah, the nutrient-rich waters don't go there. That's what I was looking for earlier. Yeah. Uh, which is so there's nothing. Nothing thrives in this part of the ocean. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's a very dead area. So. Yeah. So so they all sort of debate what they're doing there. It's all top secret. They they say they can still leave at this point. This is the point of no return. No, mm-hmm. they can send an NDA and leave. Uh, but they all stick around, and you know we get a little bit of character from some of the others but it's mainly our Yvette and there's like a Russian dude who uh, yeah. who we get a little bit of who's kind of like you know if they've got me here then it's because it might go south kind of thing he's, he's kind of that type of character right yeah uh, and they kind of the captain kind of admits that there's not like, at least he's not admitting there's a contingency plan if they're hostile whatever this thing is or whatever is, these beans yeah. are so I think the, the, the clear thing I would want to get, get across about this issue is that there is some Aquaman stuff, and uh, basically it's just him going to visit this small village, but he's staying off the grid. He doesn't want the world to know where he is or anything like yeah. that. Um, but other than other than like sort of like a, a a cool appearance later in the book, there's not a lot of him, and there's a little bit of a tease that Black Adam's also not Black Adam, sorry, Black, <laughs> Black Manta. Black Manta, sorry, we're talking about yeah. a lot about Black Adam today. Uh, yep, yep. Black Black Manta has been hired to go and seek this thing out as well by someone super top secret as well. So he's been paid off to go and try and find this thing too. So he's going to intersect later on, presumably as well. But the main thing this book is is that it's a it's a you know it's any movie where a group of characters is put together to go and investigate the mysterious object, right? It's mm-hmm. that's what it is, but it's underwater rather than space, which it maybe is more commonly tends to be. And 
the weird thing is, is that when I got to the first Aquaman bit, where it's like him visiting this small village and helping them build stuff in the summer, I was like, you know what, this is alright, but like, get back to the ship. I want these original characters back. I want, I want, I want the adventure. Yeah. I want the first the, contact story. Yeah, it was, uh, the, the Aquaman stuff I liked, but it was very much detached. Like, it was an Aquaman yeah. that I was like, what is going on? He's going and talking to this elder on this, you know, Russian island. They're like First Nations people uh, up in Kamchatka. And, you know, it's someone that's very familiar with Arthur and stuff, which I like, but it was very, like, I don't know. It was a weird, detached Arthur Curry, yeah. um, which wasn't fun to read. And then we got to the Black Manta stuff, which I was like, oh, he's doing pirate stuff. Well, like, and that ty- that immediately tied into what was going on, because he's going for right. the same, you know, on a... On a right. It's not technically a UFO, because it, it just no. crashed. It, it, they don't know for sure it was flying, so I guess it's more of an unidentified... Right. But- crashed object. <laughs> Automa- then, then the Black Manta stuff I was like, okay, this is the Aquaman stuff that I recognize that he's, you know, he's going down there. Everyone has a price. Yeah. And you know, he takes, he takes, you know, but those- from people because he's a pirate. And then we get back to the fun stuff, which is the, the crew on the ship. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that gets me is obviously there's a great atmosphere to it because you've got all these like panels that are surrounded by like water, uh, like uh, sort of in the surrounding like background, and it's very sort of like stylized water. So it has this feeling the whole time that they're just plunging to the depths. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like like a sixties movie, the way it's like all these characters on a ship going to like some weird, unforeseen part of the ocean. Uh, and you you build a bit of character. Even this sh- like submarine that they're on has got like kind of a mysterious like engine that's really fancy. Like you know, because like she's looking at it at one point, and it's uh, this big orb and um. The Russian guy starts like talking about it, and she's like, "Hey, do you know what this is?" And you know they're kind of keeping it uh, under wraps, but all he got was prototype quantum gravity propulsion drive. So it's you know it's this high tech thing. So even the mm-hmm. like whoever sent them here, like the ship they came in on, um, like pretended to be like a, a cargo vessel, but it's actually so so they're keeping everything very secretive, and so. Where did these orders come from? I mean, the captain says that all of the governments of these various like countries they came from all agreed that these are the people that should go on this mission, which implies uh-huh. it's a joint country thing. But when the big thing goes down later, which we'll get to in a minute, mm-hmm. the, he mentions, oh, three navies are going to be coming to this location. So it sounds like the militaries and navies of these countries don't know what's going on. So this no, is like they, ultra top secret. Yeah, so they're going so low that it's kind of anyone's game under the ocean. But if they were to surface to check on the ship, that's going to put them in danger. Because like you said, the three different navies showing up. So they like- fired on, yeah. Which says to me that, okay, so you're saying that all the countries agreed on these people. Is that a lie? Because it could be. Or is it a case of like, yeah, like the, the top secret brass have agreed on this, but like it's so top secret they can't tell their, their chain of command about it and they can't tell... Like, right or, know, so, or what if this is a corporate thing yeah right? that's that if it's if it's a lie it's probably corporate is what because it made me think be. of aliens real and, Jitani, and, yeah uh-huh. bit, bit of that i uh I'm, so, I'm, I'm on board with it that that's what made me think of uh, of that um also real quick uh so i, look, I started looking at point nemo oh sure apparently it there's a lot of lovecraftian ah. lore around this but it's, that, it's, but it's point nemo a real Thing. it's a real place it's okay. a real place and it is like the real it's in the middle of the south pacific gyre where the current because of where it's at and how deep that it is all that nutrition stuff that's all real so there's not a lot of stuff the water's a different color but it um that's where hp lovecraft said that cthulhu's home stems from mm. so 
knowing that this is going to go into some psychological places based off of, you know, you read the back cover. I'm wondering if they, it, like it's not going to be Cthulhu, but if there's something similar, if oh, there's like a madness, right? That We're definitely that, going places with it. I, I, yeah. I, I think... I do love this idea that there's this natural phenomena where part of the ocean is this extra dead... I mean, we. I mean, to be honest, the ocean looks like a mm-hmm. big dead body of space tails anyway, but like it, the idea that even from a marine life point of view, there's mm-hmm. a dead section of the the uh, the ocean that... Yeah. Like, in the same way that like writers can use space to be this, you know, vacuum that then add it to the horror, you, you can use this like part on Earth as like, oh, this is really mysterious, and this, you know, like, anything mm-hmm. could be down there that's hidden so, because nothing lives there. So just here's a real fun fact about Point Nemo, is that it is so deep that if you sailed there, the closest human beings to you would be the astronauts aboard the International Space Station, passing 416 kilometers overhead. The nearest inhabited landmass to Point Nemo is over 2,700 kilometers to the Easter Islands, which I believe they bring up in the book. Yeah, the crew talks about Easter Island being the closest there. So, like, yeah, there might as well be in deep space. Yeah, at this point. Well, I mean, deep deep space and like deep underwater have always mm-hmm. felt somewhat similar. Obviously, <laughs> gives me anxiety. No matter. <laughs> uh, obviously, I would say the water feels slightly better in the sense that you know a vacuum it will will kill you pretty quickly. I mean, some mm-hmm. of the water if you're not. Yeah, I mean the but, pressure. Once you yeah. have a certain, you know, certain. Oh, depth, of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? The pressure is something that uh, pressure is the thing that everyone forgets about. I think when you talk about yep. going deep underwater. Uh, yeah. But anywho, uh, like you know, so so the the Russian guy's kind of talking to uh, Yvette a little bit. Yvette started the book talking about her father, like loving being out in the water. It was always kind of something mm-hmm. like to do, and it, it led to her being a marine biologist, uh, which is what her speciality mm-hmm. is. Um. But this, so that something happens where this unidentified object, this big thing, sends out some kind of shockwave or signal, and one of the scientists, you know, the one who's there, like you know, you know, monitoring that kind of thing, uh, you know, picks up on it, calls everyone in, they talk about what's happening, and it's right after this where he says something's coming from it, like this is so this has done something, and mm-hmm. right then there's a panel of the book that this guy was reading. Is like you, you can see what it is that says Kraken Rises, and yeah. sure enough, uh, the next bit of the, the book is the ship that they came from above the Esperanza. Uh, and you get some classic, you know, panels of the, the radar and like something's coming towards the boat, and then you get and you get like a like what looks like a tentacle coming out of the, the fog, right? I love this page, mm-hmm. and then the next page is the full page spread of the giant tentacle coming up uh, overhead, uh, and then the two page spread of all the tentacles just crushing the ship in the middle and we see like some of the sailors get onto lifeboats and things like that mm-hmm. um and then down in the the submarine they're like shit 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 like the, something's just attacked that boat like we don't know if, what's going on with it should we turn back now is this thing going to be hostile and the captain's like no we have to go ahead we can't go up because all these navies from all these countries yeah. are going to like be aware this has happened now that this ship and they're going to discover quite quickly that that ship was a lie that what it was yep. pretending to be was untrue. And so we can go up and help because 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 the rest of the crew, they want to go up and like basically we can act as a lifeboat. We can we can like take on like all the people who you know survived. Um and but then, then of course the interesting thing is like as they're debating this, they see that there's something else on the radar and it looks human. 
and obviously you're like, oh, it's Aquaman. This is <laughs> Arthur. And sure enough, like you get the, the some pa- some pages of Arthur like sort of you know fighting back this tentacle creature uh, back into the. It was a great two page spread. Uh, where it's just Arthur, and he's fairly small on the, the side of the page, and it's just these giant tentacles, some of which are in shadow, and it's like him just like facing this thing back into the depths of the ocean. It is gorgeous. It, it reminded me of when I was a kid and Twenty Thousand Leagues was on, and um, and uh, Kirk Douglas goes out to fight the squid, it, and the squid just looks so much bigger. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying uh, to show off in the video for people. Gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, um, it it just the sense of scale and then just the coloring. It, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, um, and you see these extra blips uh, in the water and just like sort of the empty hallways of the submarine, and it's showing you it's just you know like this is such a great like crescendo to this big ending. Uh, and then there's like a little epilogue section uh, that shows uh, Yvette running out and seeing her father uh, falling from like the boat that he's in when he's you know he's late home for dinner and diving into the water to uh, try and go and save him. Um, and you know we presume she fails that this is the tragic like passing of her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then but there's another scene actually in present day on the submarine where it's her and the Russian again, and uh, he, they're saying hey, the captain's called everyone to the bridge. Um and he's like, "Yep, we're we're going forward, you know, because they still want to turn back." Mm-hmm. He's like, "You know, this uh, this is where he mentions the three navies." I, I said it earlier because the, the two things okay. blurred together in my head. Um, but yeah, um, so like we have to, we're going to attempt first contact, you know, so it ends in just sort of reestablishing what the mm-hmm. the thing is. If I have a small critique, basically in the pacing, is that. I don't know if we needed the epilogue. Like, see when it says Yvette and we get this flashback? Yeah. Um, I almost feel like this could have just been the start of book two. Uh, I think just the 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 quietness of the hallways after this big ending of Aquaman fighting away this, like, cracking yeah. effectively, I think that is your perfect ending. Yeah. That, that would have been nice. So, also, um, so it's, it's a minor quibble, though, because there's nothing wrong with those last, like, you know, four or five pages. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're very good... And they're still playing to the story. I just, like, these could have been the start of book two. So when the Kraken just suddenly appears and takes down the, the boat, I yeah. think it's funny because Esperanza means hope in Spanish. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no more hope. Yeah. Right? Like, um, but it also reminded me of, of, of Sphere, the Michael Crichton story. Oh, right? sure. Right, where, where they, where there's a sphere underwater and it ends up, uh, if I remember it, it right, it shows you your fears. Or it, it gets into you. So I'm wondering if, you know, not that necessarily this was this guy's fear, but he's reading a Kraken book. It scans him and it, and it you know, gives him a Kraken there. But why did it show up at that boat at the top and not to them in the sub? A lot of questions going on. But mm. yeah, that's what that reminded me of. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the build up to the Kraken scene because, you know, it is fairly quick, but if you actually go back and look at it, there is a couple of pages that build up to like a horror movie perfectly. Like you, you mm-hmm. get like, so, so the first page when it cuts back up to the boat is just the, the first panel is just the boat. And it's just like a flat color. Basically. Although the one little highlight that shows there's light hitting the water, it's just a flat color. So it's like perfectly still and calm. Right. So it's, it's mm-hmm. that horror movie thing where you're showing things are perfectly still and there's nothing happening. And then you can, you can practically hear the beep of the radar when you look at the, the radar and the, the, the dots coming towards the middle and then you get a little bit of a rumble, 
you get the fog and then walking up on the deck in the fog and then the tentacle pulls the one sailor out into the into the nothing and then you get the big page and then you get an even bigger page <laughs> so you, you get a tall page for the tentacle which is one big page spread basically and then you get a big two page spread which is the actual destruction of the boat it, it is perfectly paced the art is phenomenal um i like I'm trying to think if I like what I know of Christian Ward from. I feel like I, I, the name's popped up before, but I, I couldn't tell you what else I've seen Christian Ward art in. Let's see, I can look. I, have a quick peek because I think this is perfect for the book, and mm-hmm. I think the build of the crew and the build going towards this unidentified object, and then but then the big crescendo of the action set piece and like that this idea that Ackerman's this unknown element that comes in and like helps fight this thing back is very interesting and obviously we should mention as well when when Yvette's talking to the Russian guy and she's saying I'm a marine biologist and also a behavioral like expert or something like that she says uh she sums it up by turning to him and saying I talk to fish which is obviously a nice neat reference to Aquaman but I actually think it's going to be a a thing where her and Aquaman when they eventually do have to interact are going to find some common ground and get along because of this, I suspect. But uh, I thought that was a really neat way of like her like summing that up. It, was it just me, or did you get the impression that like the way they don't figure out or guess that this is Aquaman makes me think that Aquaman is not a known thing to most of the world? That's what I was getting with his the whole thing of of him going up to that First Nations woman, and that she knew who she, he was. Yeah. It's almost like he. He lives on the outskirts, is, right? Yeah, because obviously it's kind of, it feels like it's set in the future or some version mm-hmm. of it, which makes you think, is this like him, like he's like been in hiding for a long time afterwards? Right. But at the same time, this could be like an alternate like origin where this is how he right. like becomes known to the world or it's something first, like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Regardless though, it doesn't feel like a world where like the Justice League exists. This, this feels like it's just a world where Aquaman and nothing else yeah. exists. Which yeah, is okay. Yeah. Like, Which, uh, there's so many good like Batman Elseworlds and stuff where yeah. only Batman exists or only Superman exists. This this is totally fine. Like, yeah. So, it? so, it? so um, Christian Ward's worked on Odyssey with Matt Fraction, which is a okay a, a sci-fi retelling of the Odyssey, Invisible Kingdom with G Willow Wilson, uh, but also did Thor with Jason Aaron and Batman with Tynan. So okay. I'm sure that's where we know some of his names from. Is yeah, the I've heard, so I've probably read the, the the Thor and Batman issues that he's done. Yeah, and I'm and I'm looking here for his DC stuff. Um, Suicide Squad Volume Two, which I don't know if we read that. Um, Legend of the Swamp Thing, Halloween Spectacular, Batman Secret Files, The Gardener. That's where I know it. Urban Legends, he did a story. Okay, okay. So he's... Superman Red and Blue. These are all his DC works, yeah. Uh, but I, I think you can tell from that list, though, why it's all these little one-off appearances where he's not yeah. stuck in my mind as, like, a... Whereas, yeah. this is a great showpiece. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, some of those other books you said will be showpieces as well, but I've not read them. Yeah. Uh, at DC, this is, like, a showpiece book where it's like, oh, this is going to be three issues of just, like, his arc telling the whole story. Mm-hmm. And Ram V's writing, of course, has been excellent. He's one of our favorite writers right now at DC mm-hmm. for good reason. Um... Yeah, this like these black label books are like killing it recently. I, I like the, the, so many of them have been, have been, have been excellent. Um, I, you know, I like I'm I'm floored. Like, like I really like Dark Crisis this week, but like this is sort of like just a special thing on its own that's just yeah. good. I figured this was gonna be very much your thing when I was 
when I was getting aliens vibes, or at least alien vibe, they like it felt like they were on the it's more, show. Yeah, it's more alien you know? than aliens because it's not like right. a team of soul. I would say it's a lot alien, but aliens like a bunch of people who know each other. I would yeah. say it's, it's got that unknown factor of alien, but the crew feel a bit more like um bizarre the thing that's coming to my mind right now is species which is completely different but the, <laughs> the reason why i'm saying that is because it's the same thing where it's like a team of all these experts from different fields who are assembled to hunt yeah. like, the alien in that movie uh obviously it's not this like journey to a mysterious thing um you know uh unfortunately i've also seen event horizon recently which is a journey to a mysterious ship so I, you know, yes. that movie's terrible though despite what people say it's not his one good movie all of paul ws Harris's movies are bad uh, I just remember as I was watching Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Dominion, I remember seeing Event Horizon uh, when it came to home video because it had Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, and that movie did was not for me at, you know, 12, no. whenever that came out. So, yes. No, it's not good. Um, well, I just found Christian Ward did a very great Poison Ivy piece, which will um, now be my new background on my phone. So... Yeah, um, I, obviously it's dealing with a lot are. of water. Uh, the book has got a lot of water in the mm-hmm. backgrounds, or even sometimes it'll just be like around the panels uh, when they're on the ship. You'll get like these panels, the, the backgrounds just like the water. But it's very blue. There's like mm-hmm. little hints of uh, green or purple occasionally to give it a little bit of, you know, just a bit of vibrancy and this kind of more artistic mm-hmm. take on it as opposed to just sort of this ultra realistic thing that's, you know, that some books go for. Um, it you know as it goes on you really get this 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 vibe from it this sense of style and like i say the 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 building suspense right before the kraken attack i think is exceptional and it's where it's where the book really sold me on what it was uh because like i I was enjoying kind of like getting to know the crew a little bit getting to know yvette and them like theorizing what their like the true intentions of this mission are if there's something mysterious going on it's definitely my kind of story but once it like got the crack and stuff and it like everything ramped up at the end i was like okay you know what this was a this was a perfect ramping up from nothing to something for a first issue mm-hmm. um so yeah but just the minor quibble that like i wasn't as into like the arthur the first arthur section but i think it's just because it's establishing that he is kind of this loner who doesn't really interact with the world beyond just this wanting to interact with them in secret in this little village uh but other than that uh like and maybe yeah, it could have ended a few pages earlier and just kept this the end yeah. issue too. But minor no, quibbles. Yeah, so. yeah, it's very much. I'm, I'm, and I said earlier in the show, but I'll say it again here. It's very <clears> much of a, a Ram V style from what I'm familiar with from his superhero books. Um, this it does feel like a novel, right? It feels very restrained where it needs to be. Um, and you know the 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 narration and stuff don't feel like a traditional comic. The way that the narration set up, and you know how some of the characters talk, and it feels like a novel that way, which is very good because it makes it, you know, it really makes the whole black label thing feel special, right? When it's not just typical superhero stuff, um, and it's I mean, cool I mean, that he can fit Aquaman into this. There's definitely something to be said for a really well thought out, prestige, you know, forty-six issue thing that like, has all this time and effort put into it that's allowed to just be its own thing with a consistent artist and why that, in theory, should blow away most arcs of an ongoing comic book, because an ongoing comic mm-hmm. book has so much time constraints and how it's made. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of great ongoing comics, and it's kind of an art form in and of itself, but it's nice that DC have, like, offered this new line to really embrace just great individual stories, and uh, this is another example of it. I mean, we've only had one issue of that Swamp Thing one, 
uh, in the future, but that was great. Uh, Harleen was something special. Um, One Dark Night, I loved. uh, The two issues we had of that so far. Uh, What was the other one that was just before that was great? There's there's another couple that I'm forgetting now because they're they're finished, but uh, obviously Rogue's... Uh, it's been great so it's far. It's pretty great, yeah. Like, they've been knocking these out. It's been great. So, uh, what are you giving uh, Archimand Andromeda issue one? I mean, it's an eight. Yeah, I'm going straight nine on this bad boy. There you go. Uh, there you go. I love this issue one. I highly recommend Archimand Andromeda issue one uh, to people. Uh, Ram V is winning me... I mean, not that he hadn't won me over yet, but, like... You know, like, I fell away from his Justice League Dark because I'm just not a big magic guy, but everything else he's done uh, at DC has has tickled my fancy, and clearly shows that he... he uh, oh, his sensibilities appeal to my taste. Let's just say that. Yes. On top of his writing quality, um, which is obviously important. You're probably thinking of Batman the Imposter. That was Black Fable. Oh, yes, yes, that was fantastic. Yeah, there's that one. Um, let's see what else... I think that's the one you were talking about. Probably that. That's probably the one that I was missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But just tons of great shit, right? So uh, keep them coming, DC, because, uh, like, you know, uh, if the day ever comes the mainline books get crap, uh, we'll just start reading books from other publishers, but these, these black <laughs> label books will be the, the highlight. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah. Hey, there, were, there was a time... Uh, a couple of years ago, when it did feel like the number of books we wanted to read was dwindling, and luckily, obviously, yeah. things refreshed again, and it was like, oh, there's a, we're back up in numbers again, but there was a time where uh, there was a serious thought of, you know, it may just become a general comic book podcast where we read some stuff from other publishers, because, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, if things get like they were towards the end of New 52 again, it's not impossible it could happen someday, but luckily, yeah. Didio no. was let go Every- and things worked out. <laughs> yeah, everything they do, it's always so like killing time. I initially didn't want to get into, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But then it's been like, oh well, now I have to read it. Yeah, so yeah. It's not good. And I was always gonna check out Andromeda because it's Ram B, you know. But it helps that it turned out to be this really cool sci-fi horror thing. So yeah, far. and you know, Ram V's about to start his run, Detective Comics, which is mm-hmm. freaking that's, exciting. That's gonna bring the opera into it, which is like, what are you? <laughs> What are you doing? I, I, you know, he's he's I'm going to do the it. Phantom of the Paradise take on yes. Batman. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right, there you go. That is uh, Aquaman yep. Andromeda. That comes highly recommended. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Monkey Prince issue five. Matt, you read this? Yeah. So um, the end of the last issue, Penguin uh, was was possessed by a demon. Batman came and and helped. Um, they, you know, they exercised the demon out of uh, out of uh, Penguin, and now. Um, Marcus's parents, who are henchmen, move the family out of Gotham to Amnesty Bay, where things should be quieter. Um, and uh, Marcus is enrolling in a new school. He's worried he's going to run into to Saifu Pigsy. You know, is is he here in the town? Um, but he calls his, you know, his, his friend, um, the girl that's his love interest, you know, because he wants to and he's upset that he had to move, so this is his one friend there. Um, and as as he's going to to uh, school, um, I'm trying to get through this. So um, here we go. Start at the beginning. Did you read so, this book, Matt? 
No, I did, but it was at the beginning of the week. I'm going to minute. So, um, but at the beginning, it starts with this really cool looking, um, really cool looking, looks like a, a tapestry that kind of recounts the Monkey King and the, the journey to the West, where it talks about arrogant monkey, divine punishment, perilous journey, enlightened sage. And it's Marcus waking up from a dream. And it's, his parents are on the way to Amnesty Bay, where they see uh, Superman fly by and the parents kind of duck under. And Marcus is kind of like, well, that's weird. Why would they do that? He sees this uh, trip now. Like, he didn't want to leave Gotham, but now he gets to have a fresh start. He asks the school janitor if, you know, if there was a guy who's portly and kind of gassy that works there. And he's confused. Um, and then this goth-looking girl with, you know, kind of looks like Raven. She's real pale skin, purple hair up front. Uh, ask him if he's the type of boy that likes bananas. And he's like, well, that girl's weird. Um, we get that the parents moved to Amnesty Bay to work with Black Manta, who has another one of these demon boxes that he wants them to open because these two come, uh, they're mad scientists, that they come very highly recommended and that they want him to open this box um, because there's a, a demon trapped inside. And it's like of this, this urn almost. And... Uh, they decide that they're they're going to open it, but they're going to put it into something that can't hurt them like Penguin was going to, because they still want to get paid. Um, Marcus is on, on the phone with his, you know, with the with the one girl um, and the peer counselor uh, and the the goth girl comes to him and is following him. And I'm thinking he's like, oh, this is a new love interest. Like it's weird girl. She picks up his weird vibes. But then she tells him to take off his shirt and he's on the phone with the girl. He's like, I got to go. And the peer counselor, his friend is like, oh, well, things are going well for you. Um, he won't. So she tears his shirt off and sees his, you know, the ringlet. Um, and that she goes, oh, yeah, I was right. You are. And then she grows rows of teeth like a demon and is like tasty, tasty monkey. Um <laughs> this leads this leads to a seaweed soup truck coming up to him as, as Marcus is running. Um, and it's, it's Shifu Pigsy. He's followed him to Amnesty Bay, who he's now driving a food truck of for seaweed soup. Um, he's like, you need to transform. He goes, it's kind of hard when you're being chased by a demon. Uh, he pulls off, uh, transforms uh, into Monkey Prince and fights this demon. Um, Shaifu gives him a staff because he saw how Robin, you know, had fought with the staff and that, you know, his dad was, was good with one. Um, but he ends up in the water, which is one of Marcus's big fears, which gives, you know, the, the demon a, a, an edge. So he freaks out, transforms back, um, fights with the staff and, and throws her into the water where, where she stays. Um, and uh, Shaifu says, oh, you gotta, you gotta go after her. And he's like, well, no, you can't. And you know, I can't. I'm afraid of the water. Come to find out that this girl isn't a demon, as we see. Her name is Shellastria, who is a half trench, half human, or half something, um, whose father is thinking of the trench. Um, and that if if this monkey prince is walking, that means the old Chinese legends are true. 
in that the trench can obtain this immortal power and all they need to do is eat him to get this power and that's where it ends and it says next up is sea dragons um i wasn't yeah. expecting some weird like akaman tie-in lore i was not i mean once i got to amnesty bay and i saw them working for black manta i was like oh okay well that makes sense of course they would move there not expecting you know when she grew all the teeth i was like oh she's a demon and we've seen this before right we saw that in in gotham um was not expecting the trench at all so i hope how we had you know batman and robin making cameos i'm hoping we see the aquaman you know i'd like to see jackson uh interact with with monkey prince because mm-hmm. i feel like he knows something about having parents that are not on the up and up you know uh and and hiding stuff from him and who he really is um and shaifu's still saying like well no your real dad and he goes no these these are my real dad so there's something going on with with how he was conceived, right? Whereas, well, you know, was he actually adopted? Was the mom, you know, with the monkey prince? And that's where he comes from. You know, um, there's a lot of mysteries that are still being seated. But it, it, it does remind me of when we read New Superman and that uh, Yang is constantly, you know, throwing these these uh, like fun moments in. Uh, that still create this character. So having the Trent show up, not expected and should make for some fun. Cause you know, now that the kid who's afraid of water and it's kind of his weakness, he is surrounded by it. So, and, <laughs> and the villains are coming from it, but yeah. Um, the art's really good. It's still um, the same. I'm drawing a blank on, on the artist. Um, it's Yang and I want to say it's Chang. Yeah, it's Chang. Um, and it, it's still up on the up and up. I like the way that it, it switches from Marcus where, you know, the, the first page is very flat kind of art, like old style, almost like a tapestry to the more filled out and um, not rounded. Because what's the opposite of, of, of flat art? You know, the shade and depth, depth. That's the word more. It, it's the, the art's more deep and the colors are vibrant. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to give us 7.5. All right, cool. Uh, so, one last book to talk about then. Uh, every month, patreon.com slash TV. You can, of course, at one of the higher tiers, make myself a corner read a book. And, of course, you'll be used to be hearing me say that by now before I talk about Animal Man. This is issue 20 of the Grant Morrison run. The last issue had a huge cliffhanger ending where Buddy came back and his wife and children were murdered. Shot oh, dead. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, it was super violent then, the last issue. I mean, you didn't see it happen, but, like, it was a really dark ending. Uh, so, the, the the villain they'd been kind of teasing for a couple of, couple of issues. Uh, I've forgotten his name, but it'll, it'll come up when I'm looking through the book. <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Lodix? Lodix? I'll, I'll find it in a minute. Anyway, uh, so... This issue is a depressing <laughs> read. <laughs> So obviously, I know the wife and kids are back at some point because every Animal Man I've ever read set after this is, you know, they're still there. So I presume there's going to be some wacky things out the end of this or maybe like, I don't know, when Zero Crisis happen in relation to this? Is that later? Uh, <laughs> maybe? Zero Hour happens in 92. I don't know when this is being... No, Zero Hour, yeah, I said Zero Crisis. Yeah, or, I know what you meant though. Um, um, but yeah, so this is late 80s still, right? So this is like... 8990. Oh, I say, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So maybe so that it, fixes that. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, 
it's a depressing issue because, you know, this man has just found his wife and children dead. And the issue starts, and it does this thing, it, it does this a lot during the issue, actually, where a scene will start with Buddy, where it starts with a black panel that kind of, like, transitions into the next panel, where it's sort of like a, you know, it's, it's like a thick black box, but then there's like a thinner one and a couple of thin ones, as if it's like sort of, like, fading into a panel, mm-hmm. almost, but with, like, sort of stark lines. And the first one is this, you know, this, like, him, he's waking up and he's seeing, um, he's seeing Ellen, and he's like, oh, thank God you're okay, I had a horrible dream, something horrible happened to you. But then it, it does the, the the black transition again, but into the black, and then the next page, it starts with the black transition, and it's him just sitting there zoned out, and it's Roger and Roger's wife talking to him and saying, hey, buddy, you okay? You need to drink something. And he's just sitting there in shock. And there's a lot of scenes of this issue where it's him with other people, and every scene with them starts with this art technique of starting with a black panel that then transitions into the first panel. And so the effect that it has is that every single scene feels like it's starting with him coming out of like being in a trance where he's just zoned out and he's not thinking about what's in front of him because he's in shock. He's like, your wife and kids are dead. And that effect is so strong and consistent throughout the book. It's really well done. Um, it's such a simple little mm-hmm. thing, but it's there in every single scene that Buddy's in. That it starts with that. Um, and yeah, you know, the art characters are like upset and saying you know they're all dead um and it does it does the transition to black a couple of times where it transitions like in time where he's like he's then lying in bed and it does tell him he needs to sleep and like they're talking about making arrangements for a funeral and stuff like that but you know he's lying there in bed and he's 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 having like flashes of his wife and kids and he's like got tears going down his eyes um and he's remembering the last things they said to them and then it's just awful. People are trying to get him to eat and it's not happening. There's a panel of him lying in the fetal position on the bathroom floor just saying no, 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 no. And this like black effect, this transition effect on either side of the panel. So it makes it feel like it's just he's being closed in on the entire time throughout the entire issue. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like this feeling of grief being this like tormenting force that is like consuming him is like present the entire time. It is so good. I'll just say it. I think this is the best issue of this run. Yeah. It makes it feel like it's actually real, right? Yeah, I mean... A person really going through it instead of a character you're reading. The last issue is the one that I think everyone kept saying, oh, that's the issue. That's the issue everyone remembers and talks about. I think this is a better issue. And that's not to downplay what the last issue was. Mm -hmm. I think from a craft perspective and, like, getting across the feeling that the character's going through, I think this issue is an even bigger highlight. Um, So... And it does cut to uh, Lennox, that was the guy's name, sorry, the villain. Uh, yeah. Mr. Lennox in his suit. He goes back to the people that he was working for who look very governmental, that they've got like the like the hawk behind them, but they're all in silhouette and shadows. You don't know exactly who it is, necessarily. Um, and he's like, yeah, the job's done. And they're like, well, should I worry about superheroes coming after me? Because I don't really want to deal with that. He's like, you don't have to worry about that, Mr. Lennox. And they introduce him to like a mech suit, which they call uh, Bugman. This big robotic thing. Um, and we don't really have the context for what this is going to do, other than maybe it's designed to fight superheroes. But, like, they, they do a demonstration with it a little bit later, but that's the end of that scene for now. Uh, meanwhile, at Arkham Asylum, Psycho Pirate's freaking out, and he's yelling, they're coming back, all of them, they're all coming back. Which is why I took that as, like, if he's talking about characters coming back because of a crisis, 
I was thinking, ah, oh, maybe this is like how the, the wife and kids come back as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, obviously this is this just treated here more of like a scary thing because he's terrified of like everything coming back. So that, mm-hmm. that, I don't know if this is just a tease for this book or, or if this is like tying into something that was more of a, a DC line-wide thing at the time. I suspect it might have been because it's interfered with the book a couple of times. So that context is maybe something that uh, people can give me in the, the comments or on Twitter. But um, yeah, so again, we have that transition effect in and out of the scene where, uh, you know, like Buddy's talking to, I don't, do we know who this is actually? This guy with the mustache? I'm not actually sure. Uh, but he's talking about how uh, you know he lost his family uh, to Nazis and Buddy's like crying and he's, like, he's trying to like relate to him and he's trying to talk about, uh, you know, getting over it. But, the, you know, the, the guy who rescued him ended up dying in Auschwitz. Uh, so it's, it's again when I said this issue is depressing I really meant it it is a depressing issue yep. Buddy's looking at the photo of his, his family the cat's trying to like snuggle up to him but he's just got tears going down his face there's a funeral scene where they're, they're standing there uh, he tells Jean that he has to like take a time out and leave uh, the JLI uh, and Jean's like I understand kind of thing um and Buddy's like, I don't understand anything. So that's depression and grief are just like coming for him like heavily. Um, and there's a scene where like this policeman round like asking to like look around the house to try and figure out who killed the family, and they say they suspect that whoever it was came through the uh, teleporter tube that he's got in the basement to the Justice League like satellite. Uh, we know that's not true. We know that Lennox mm-hmm. just you know what chapped on the front door. Uh, but this is the theory they've got because they didn't set up set off any of the house defenses. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but the whole thing is just like you know, Buddy's got his hand against the tube and he's like banging on it, and it's it's like he feels like they have no leads. They don't know who who did this. They don't have any names to follow. Uh, it's all a big mystery. Uh, from here we see the the big bug mech suit, like like destroying pillars and like test subjects, uh, and dummies. But yeah, and they're, they're basically just like joking about why did we call it bug man i think it's the eyes it looks kind of bug like uh, uh and it's just this like this thing um so it's like it, it contrasts with i think it makes you infuriated as a reader i think it's really smart actually in the writing because like this villain side of things it's in a couple of scenes is this big ridiculous mech like a uh, bug suit and they're talking about oh this will take care of the superheroes i think the fact that they're being so flippant and cracking jokes about their silly robot mech suit makes you hate them more because they're behind the murder of, of, of Ellen mm-hmm. and the kids. So you're pissed at them, and they're being flippant, and they're being cocky, and they don't give a shit about what they've done. And it just makes you angrier, because you see what Buddy's going through, and then you see what they're doing. So, really smart. I, I think it's a really well-constructed issue in that sense. Um, So, yeah, so just, you know, if you want to like, get a sense of how depressing this issue gets, uh, towards the end of the issue, uh, Buddy is telling his dog, Skipper, that he can't take it anymore, and he's going to take some pills to commit suicide. So, the end of the issue uh, is that he's looking in the mirror, he's got the pills in his hand, and he wants to take them, but he ends up, like, headbutting the mirror, and, like, he's got, like, a cut in his head, he's still looking down at the pills, but then the phone rings, um, and the end of the issue, the big cliffhanger, is a Scottish accent, <laughs> of all things, saying, Animal Man, how's it going, pal? I've got some names you might be interested in hearing. 
And obviously, Grant Morrison writing it is why the Scottish slang's good. But yeah. uh, the how's it gone, pal? That uh, look really Scottish. Uh, and we know the the uh, what do we call him? Mirror Master mm-hmm. was talking to Lennox a few issues ago and knows something. So he basically he's he's giving he's saying that hey, I may have some information that will help. And Buddy, for the first time in the issue, like, like perks up and says, "What did you say?" And like, you know, so it's the idea that he's got a lead at the end of the issue that actually keeps him alive, which is really sad in a lot of ways. That the revenge and, or I mean, you could say justice, but I, I feel like he's probably not thinking clearly right now. <laughs> Vengeance. Yeah, but like, I, I think it's interesting that this is like, there's so much scratchy detail in so many of the, the pages, and it has this black transition in in and out of every scene. This is the only one that doesn't end like that because it's just, I mean, it's, it's the end of the issue and it's a full page spread, but it's this idea that for the first time he's not been in this like stupor feeling grief. He's got like a focus. Like he's like, for the first time, it's like, oh, wait, what? No, I've got a purpose. No, there's something yeah, I something can do. something to pull him out of the grief because he has something else to focus on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I love this issue. That, that's, that's, that, that's, this was like a 10, basically, maybe a 9.5. Um, I think it does such a good job of making you feel like Buddy making you angry at the villains and making it feel like he's on this spiraling and that everything doesn't mean anything. And then the final page just kind of pulls you, or the final two pages, that final scene, pulls you into it. Oh, now there's a direction. And like this unlikely source for helpful information. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's got his own motivations. I'm sure like, this is not a heroic gesture <laughs> on behalf of Mirror Master. But it doesn't matter. This unlikely source is this lifeline that Buddy needed in the moment. And I think it's it's expertly crafted. You're sort of on the hook the entire time and you feel this like just depressing thing. And it's just you know, when he's looking at down at the pills, the dog's looking up at him. And it's like the saddest thing ever. Uh this idea of the sympathy of the the, the animals who are just mm-hmm. trying to be nice to Buddy. And he's animal man, so it's extra, you know, on point. It's on brand. But the idea that they're trying to be nice to him and make him feel better, and he's, he's just, he's not receptive to it. In the same way that anyone, when they're going through, like, some severe grief, isn't receptive to their friends, isn't receptive mm-hmm. to the people around them. They're just, like, in their own head, because... Like, yeah, just leave me alone. Yeah. I need to be sad. So, yeah. uh, this is fantastic. Issue 20. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a 10. I think it's the best issue of the run so far. Um, I, I think it's basically flawless, and achieves exactly the feelings that it wants to achieve. So... I mean, the murder of the wife and kids was a bit of a out of nowhere like cliffhanger last issue, and the, like they were teasing something with Lennox, but they weren't necessarily teasing that he was going after his family, so mm-hmm. it was kind of a shock. And this this issue sold it because this issue was like, no, this this treated it like the the devastating th- action that it was. So there you go. That's Animal Man issue twenty. Fantastic. So very good stuff. Um. So yeah, that'll take us out of the part of the show. Uh, we pick our favorite uh, stuff of the week for it. Uh, panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and uh, top five books. So, uh, Matt, what was your panel slash moment of the show? Um, of the week, probably. Yeah, this week, this week had some good ones. The <laughs> Monkey Prince had some funny ones. Uh, Andromeda had some real pretty ones. There was some good stuff in Ivy, but it's going to be from Dark Crisis. Mm. And and it's going to be the, the recruiting page. Just because there's faces on there I was not expecting. Oh, um, sure, yeah. And it leads to the reveal of who who is joining the Justice League. Also, the shout out to the Booster Gold and Blue Beetle fist bump at the bottom uh, right corner <laughs> that just says "Bros." That cracked me up. 
of course like I, I, no that's, that's matt bait basically yeah right so yeah. so yeah um i mean you got that and you got like poison ivy <laughs> in one week so you're you're uh being pa- you're being pandered to dare yes. i say happy 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 uh yeah I, i'm conflicted because i think that the cracking sort of build up and reveal in Ackerman andromeda is phenomenal but the the dc fan that i am really wants the moment the the, the page turn basically where uh black adam says there's only one you know the, the, you're not qualified to lead this a justice league but the, you, and we both know who is and then you turn the page and it's dick grayson like that's mm-hmm. that you know, it's, the, it's the cut it's the camera cut that you get in like a movie yep. you turn the page and it's nightwing i kind of want to pick that but i think i'm still gonna go with the kraken and andromeda but uh I, i'm very conflicted about which one i wanted to go with there mm-hmm. uh all right cover of the week um i will say that uh i basically have a couple of choices from dark crisis and one f- a variant from batman that i'm eyeing up here uh the delato cover from batman which is like a really like you know lush painted one but it's batman the blue cape uh is mm-hmm. pretty stunning and then for Dark Crisis, there's a Redondo cover, which is Nightwing at the front and foremost of it, with all the rest of the Bat family yeah. behind him. Which I think it's is... a Nightwing cover, and I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, but there's also a surprisingly stunning one of Pariah. It's uh, Steve Beach, and it's like Pariah with like all the the darkness coming out of his eyes and mouth. Uh, that is a beautiful cover. It's very creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy and disturbing, but it's beautiful at the same time. Yeah, as as a piece of art goes. Uh, I think, I think I'm actually going to go with the Pariah one. All honestly, uh, oh. all in. Uh, even though I love those other two, but uh, yeah, so it's the Dark Crisis Steve Beach variant, which is the one in fifty incentive mm. variant. Uh, what you got? So uh, I just want to shout out the Monkey Prince main cover because it's a Jaws parody. Oh, and, cool! You know, it's hilarious, but it's got a dragon coming up on him. Uh, but it, it's gonna be Poison Ivy, and it's the the Robles one in twenty five. That was my phone background for months until I recently changed it. Um, well, since it's been solicited, I assume. <laughs> yes, and so it's it is just fantastic, and um, it was such an up price that I couldn't buy it. I really wanted to, but you can't justify twenty five dollars on on a comic just for the cover. So I'll just deal with the digital version. But yeah, fantastic cover. Yeah. Uh, all right. Best art of the week. Do you have anything for that? So, um, man, Marquez for Killing Time is up there. Takara for Ivy. Uh, um, Dark Crisis. That was that was really good. Sam Pierre. But it, it, it's hard to go against uh, Andromeda and Christian Ward because mm-hmm. just it's the full package. It's the colors. It's the inking. It's it's everything that effectively tells that story. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I have to agree. Like Christian Ward had this in the bag, pretty, and it's not that there's not other good art this week because there is. You you named them mm-hmm. pretty much, but uh, yeah, it has it has to be Ward. It has to yeah. be Andromeda. It's just yeah. it's just it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so top five books of the week, then Matt, go. All right. So uh, number one's gonna be Dark Knight to Steel. Number two's gonna be Killing Time. Three is Poison Ivy. Four is Dark Crisis. Five is Andromeda. But those. The, the 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 numbers between those are all very close. Those are all eight eight point five to eight. Yeah, I'm so, that's a little bit of a weird order for me actually. I, yeah. So my top five, my number one is Andromeda. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two 
is Dark Crisis. My number mm -hmm. three is... Hmm. I'll go Killing Time, number four, Darkness of Steel, and then number five... Um, see, I don't have Poison Ivy to be that fifth one that's yeah. uh, great. So <laughs> I'm basically left with uh, either Flashpoint Beyond or Batman. I, I mean, I, I got more entertainment out of Flashpoint Beyond, I suppose, so I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I read six books, that makes sense, yeah, so it's between yeah. those two. Uh, Alright, cool. But there you go, uh, that is um, that is the picks. So I'll tell you what's coming next week, everyone, from DC Comics. So coming next week, we have Wonder Woman 788, we have Superman Son of Kal-El issue 12, Batman Urban Legends issue 16, Batgirls issue 7, Jurassic League issue 2, I Am Batman issue 10, Future State Gotham issue 14, The Sandman Universe Nightmare Country issue 3, DC Pride Tim Drake Special, which is mostly a reprint, but with uh, one new story. Piece. Yeah, yeah that, that's the story from uh, Urban Legends. Yeah. Uh, and then Naomi Season 2 issue 4, so a bit of a, a weird week in that we're reading some different things, but uh, yeah, so we've got interesting stuff. And there's a good chance Solicits will be on next week's episode, I think. So Probably. Uh, but that's okay. So... Uh, that is the plan. So I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, they are all at the producer tier on Patreon, but you can support us for as little as a dollar per month at patreon.com slash TV and get some bonuses for your trouble. The bonuses are for all the different things that uh, we do at Mailfuzz Movies and TV. Uh, so you can see a lot of other things there and check out the other podcasts if you're interested uh, but for this show in particular you get early access to the show you get it whenever it's ready on the Saturday night uh, before the actual release on the Sunday so if that's of interest and you want to support the show and the content please do head over and have a look uh, otherwise though like, subscribe ding the bell for notifications on YouTube uh, rate this podcast 5 stars with a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and of course, you can uh, get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. <laughs> but uh, that about does it. So that has been episode 309. There we go. It was an eventful one. And I think it's the first one that's hit three hours. Just barely, but it's hit three hours uh, yeah, and a yeah. lot well. A lot, lot of BS at the beginning, too. Yeah, so. but that always is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but there's, there's particularly a lot because uh, we're talking about TV and games and The Rock a lot. So. Uh, maybe Paige will listen to this now since we talked about the, the rock so much, and Connor's not on it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's an incentive that Connor's not on it. Connor's not on it, and there's a lot of talk about the rock. So I don't know a lot about Paige, but I do know that she likes the rock from Connor being drugged to to various action movies. Yeah. So. Uh, fair enough. There you go. Mm -hmm. But there you go. That is, that is the show. That is Comics from the Multiverse. Thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. And The Rock says drink Zoa. <laughs> <laughs>